All right, Justin. A, B, C, D, or E? C. Oh, I thought you froze or some shit. Okay, C. Um, <laughs> that's movie news. Um, what's some good movie news? Um, John Mayer is dating the woman that played, uh, what's it called? Uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. On the, the from Netflix. Huh. Oh, really? Heather, what's her name? Uh, Kiernan Shipka. Yeah, her. Hmm. And there's like okay. a 23 year age gap there. Ooh. Wait. That's- Way to go, John Mayer. Is he really that old? John Mayer's like 45, I think. Dang. Let's see. He was born in 77, which makes him roughly eight years older than me. So he's 44, 45, yeah. Yeah, 45. And how old Sabrine? 23, yeah. Yeah, so 22 years. Way to dang cook it up there, buddy. Wow. Jesus Christ. What is wrong That's with these people? Insane. I feel like she's uh, been known to date older guys before, right? Yeah, she also dated BJ Novak. Yeah, who's probably a little younger than John Mayer. Yeah. But yeah, that's um, that's odd. It is, it is. There's something else I was going to bring up too. Oh, so Stanley Tucci has a TikTok where he, uh, it's a TikTok or a video or something. Anyway, he went viral for his uh, Negroni recipe. Uh, it's a cocktail made with gin. And like people are now commenting on the fact that he's like, like a sex symbol now. Like people are like daddying him because he is, uh, you know, because of that video. And everybody's kind of like making, like Emily Blunt, who is his sister-in-law, if you don't know, uh, was talking about it. And like, you know, he thinks it's kind of crazy that he's now like a sex symbol and all this other stuff. And I'm like, did they not talk to anybody that's seen Easy A? <laughs> because who has not wanted to fuck Stanley Tucci since seeing like Easy A? <laughs> I just watched that movie not too long ago and yeah, I get it. I just don't see how he didn't think he had sex symbol status after that movie. <laughs> Blew my mind. I kind of feel like even like, I don't remember which one was first, but even around Devil Wears Prada, you know, I feel like that's like a lot of people knew him from that one. Yeah, they know him from that one, but but sex symbol. I don't know. Okay. Fair I don't enough. know if I'd call him a sex symbol of Devil Wears Prada. Maybe not. I mean, he dressed really nice, but I guess you're right. It yeah. was like it was the air of confidence he had in Easy A and like his Yeah, I get it. And the fact that, you know, he was gay once in Easy A. So maybe I had a shot with him back then. Like, that's the difference. 
I don't feel like I would have been able to sleep with Devil Wears Prada Stanley Tucci. But Easy A Stanley Tucci, I think I had a shot. Okay. (laughs) Maybe that's why he's that much more fuckable in that movie. Let's see. What's what's something else? But also, also he wore like Henleys in Easy A. And you've been known to be a fan of Henleys. I wear a lot of Henleys in my personal life. So maybe that's, maybe that's part of it. Could be. I mean, pretty much on the podcast, I wear whatever my undershirt was for that day and some sort of covering, like my shawl or something. But yeah, in my, my normal life, I either wear a Henley or a, or a Raglan. It's, those are my go-to styles of, of casual wear clothing, if you will. Let's see, there's got to be one more thing I can add to this so we get a trifecta of just celebrity shit. I'm trying to think, has anybody committed any crimes or has anybody else said any outrageous bullshit? I did hear Chris Evans has a girlfriend now. Oh, yeah, Chris Evans has a girlfriend. She's also way too young for him. Yeah, that's unfortunate. There's like a, wasn't he speaking of that? Wasn't he recently voted sexiest man alive or something like that? He was. True. He was. So it he, makes sense. He's the 2022 sexiest man alive, and I just I don't like the age difference between him and his girlfriend. How old is she? Like 25. And he's what 38, 39. He's 42. 42. Fuck. Yeah. It's just slightly better than John Mayer. Because he's slightly younger and she's slightly older. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, it's unfortunate. It's a 17-year age gap between them. 17, yeah. 18 years. Oh, my God. That would be my only knock against Chris Evans about, like, anything ever. But, yeah. I agree with the status, though. Sexiest man alive. That makes sense. You know? I'm actually surprised he didn't get it around like Captain America days. They never do it when you're peaking. Hmm. They always give it to you like three years after the last thing you did. And that's really weird. But I think you're right, though, because I think of like when Adam Levine got it one year, didn't he? And I'm like, really? Like, I just it surprised me because I'm like, like, I hadn't heard anything about him in so long. Yeah, same with Blake Shelton. Blake Shelton hadn't released a song in like four years, but he'd been on The Voice. And they're like, oh, yeah, let's make him Sexiest Man Alive. Like, they always do it like after. And I don't know why. I will, I'll say that's probably the most curveball choice that I've seen. Like, I'm not saying like he's an unattractive man, <laughs> but I just, you know, I'm thinking of him along the list of other people who made that status and like it's it was a surprising choice it was just a surprising choice for me I mean I don't think there's any actual rhyme or reason to how they choose anything probably like there, not. there was a skit between like it was a skit or a commercial or something like that with Chris Evans and and Dwayne the Rock Johnson 
and you know, Dwayne was talking like, like, oh, congrats on being sexiest man alive. You know, and Chris was like, oh yeah, you were sexiest man alive in like 2006. And the rock's like, oh, was once you have it, you always have it. And like, it's a little back and forth <laughs> with that stuff, but then it's like, yeah, like why was the rock in 2006? He's objectively right. more attractive than he was in 2006. This is true. Yeah. You know, like they're no one knows what they mean. Yeah, you're right. It's it is interesting the timing they choose for it. You know, and like and it's nothing against Chris Evans. It's just like he hasn't been doing anything this year really. He hasn't been promoting a movie. You know what I mean? Like he hasn't really been even out in like actively in the public eye doing shit. So is it like why now? You know, like I mean why this guess- year, not last year? Yeah, like the only thing I can think of that he did this year was the Gray Man, but that was it. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. But oh man, there's got there was one more thing I was I was about to say something and now I don't remember. Oh. Throwing me off my game. Oh yeah, what's her name? Um, played DJ Tanner. Oh yeah. Candace Cameron. Candace Cameron Burt. Her. Um, she recently ended her partnership with the Hallmark channel. And she's like going to this other channel. That's like American family movies or something like that. And she's doing so because apparently there's just, too much gayness on Hallmark. She wants to go back mm. to a more traditional family entertainment. I heard there was something going on with her this week, but I didn't hear what it was. So, okay. It's, I, I don't know why anybody was surprised by that. Like, look at who the who, who her fucking brother is, for one. Kurt Cameron is one of the most psychotic people. In the Christian sphere. I mean, he he looks at those left behind books like they're gospel. No pun intended. But it's just it's just been a weird, weird time in news. Didn't somebody die? Oh yeah. What's his name? Oh, that's a terrible segment segue. Um Didn't somebody die? <laughs> Yeah, I know. Um, I should you, not have said that. Are you talking about Kevin Leslie Conroy? Jordan? Yes. That, the oh, Batman yes, voice yes. actor. Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I just sounded way too excited when I remember somebody died. And I was like, <laughs> oh, man, that's a terrible transition into that. But yes, Kevin Conroy died. As many people have posted on Facebook, most people consider him their Batman. Because he's been a Batman in everyone's life for, what, the last, like, 30 years? Something like yeah. that, like animated series and video games and other animated shit. And technically he played a, even a live action version of Batman in the flash or legends of tomorrow or one of those fucking CW things when they did a multiverse thing, he played even a live action old man, Batman. One of those. That's cool. Um, he also, I mean, he did a ton of voices. That was his thing. I mean, 
They, I know it was an illness. I don't know what, it, did they say what illness he had? I have not heard. But. Got it. That is on the sad side. I am truly sorry for sounding so excited that I remembered somebody died. And that's what I was talking about. It was just the light bulb went off. That's all. Yeah. I get it. Sometimes I really do wonder how I come off to just in general people on this podcast that just do not know me whatsoever. Like, am I the worst person in the world? And I wonder if people think that about me. I'm fine if they do. I mean, it's not really going to change anything I do, but. <laughs> Chime in, everyone who's watching, if you're if you're hearing this. We're just listening. <laughs> Is Sterling the worst person <laughs> or not? That would be a great poll question. <laughs> who's the worst person? <laughs> and it'd just be me. Be no other options. <laughs> you're the only option? Yeah. <laughs> And I kind of have a feeling by the end of this episode, I might be only adding people to the, like, people might be adding me on that list. Just saying. Anyway, you guys ready? Yeah. Yep. Cinema Slayers. Slayers. Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight we are going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the end of the MCU's Phase 4 movie, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section. And with all that, starting us off in our spoiler-free uh, section, uh, Heather, what are your spoiler-free thoughts? Yeah, um, my spoiler-free thoughts, I mean, I I thought this was a good movie. I think it's one of those movies where I think it had a very unique and... uh tough task to handle as far as being the part of the MCU and moving forward storylines on top of trying to find the best way to honor Chadwick and T'Challa's character um, all in one. I think it was just a a very daunting task that they had with this movie from the beginning. Um, I do think that my favorite aspects of this film are actually the parts where they're honoring T'Challa and Chadwick. I think that they do those parts really well. And I, those parts spoke to me and stood out to me more in this movie. So I think they, that probably I would say, I think they were best at doing that with this film. Um, Aside from that, the movie itself, like if we take aside that piece of it, I still think it's a pretty good movie. Um, I, I think 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's not without its faults and everything. Um, I think that it is beautifully shot. I believe that the world that they've created, we get to revisit Wakanda and we get to see some some new places. And it's very visually beautiful, as I would have expected it to be. Um, it's got some, they do have a couple of really good action sequences and um, fight scenes that they do in this one. They have really stellar acting from pretty much everyone across the board here. Um, I, I think that, yeah, it's it's one of those where you just, you know that it's going to be such a hard task because you're never not going to think of Chadwick as T'Challa with this movie. And so it's going to just be hard in general to not go in with that in mind. But considering all of that, I think they did. I, I almost think they did kind of the best that they could with with what they what they did. Um, I think there was a little bit of inconsistencies with some of the things with it, but I do think it was an enjoyable movie. I think it was a cathartic movie. I think it was, um, yeah. I, I do think it was still an enjoyable movie, and I think definitely stand out for me was Angela Bassett for sure. I think she was fantastic. Um, I'm not remembering the guy who plays uh, Namor, but he was great. And um, Okoye, you know, Denai Guerrero, she was great. Uh, those were the standout performances for me in this film. Uh, Letitia Wright did a good job too, but I think there was a lot of really great supporting characters that showed up just as much as her and kind of even the playing field um, performance-wise in this one, for sure. Um and I think that they they dive into a couple of the other characters' stories more in this one than they did in the first film. And I enjoyed that aspect of it. I enjoyed learning a little bit more about them. They bring in some new characters, um, which was interesting. I think that might have been uh, part of the things that probably could have been handled a little bit differently. But it wasn't terrible what they did with it, with the new characters they brought in. Um, it is definitely a long movie, I think, with something like this especially with it being the end of like phase four, you know, I, I think that I didn't expect it to be a short movie. <laughs> so I'm not surprised that it was like almost three hours long. Um, but I will say for the most part, like it didn't really start to feel long for me, maybe until the last, I don't know, maybe the last 15 minutes is when I started to feel like, oh yeah, this is a fairly long movie. But I didn't really feel it up before then. Like, I think I feel like it was... <laughs> I feel like it was paced pretty well. Um, you know, I was intrigued the whole time. I was interested in what was going to happen. Um, but yeah, I, I think overall, I mean, I, I was not, I wouldn't say I was disappointed with this movie, really. I, I think, again, it, it has its flaws and everything, but it it was, a, it was still a pretty good movie, you know, regardless of that. So, um, yeah, I mean... I would say probably aside from Spider-Man No Way Home, this is probably my favorite of the phase four movies. If I, if I was going to guess or say off the top of my head. Um, yeah, I thought, thought it was a pretty good movie. Um, yeah. Again, I know we'll, we'll talk about pros and cons of it, but as an overall ruling of the movie, I think it was a fairly good movie. Justin, what about you? All right. Um, yeah, I definitely get what you're saying about 
the undertaking that they had with this, um, especially because when Chadwick Boseman was alive, there was a script written for Black Panther 2. And so, of course, when he died, you're having to rewrite this entire thing and try to figure out, like, how are we going to pay homage to him? And then you had, like, all these people calling to recast the character, just recast him, um, and that way you can just do the the movie that you had. So, uh, you know, so there was all of that. Like, how are they going to ha- handle Chadwick Boseman's death? How are they going to do that in this story? And not only just handling him as far as him not being alive, but how are you going to justify that in this world of Wakanda? How are these characters going to handle it? How are you going to say that he died? You know, I think there were just a lot of things going into this that the director, Ryan Coogler, had to worry about. And then on top of that, it's a Marvel movie. And Marvel's got a Marvel. And you got to introduce characters and set up things going into the next story and stuff like that. So that's a lot of hats that I think this film had to wear. And for the most part, I do feel like it wears every hat successfully. Now, there are a few that, you know, you wonder. There are a few things and you just wonder and you understand why the things, why the elements and the characters are here. You understand what they have to do and how they have to advance storylines and setting up for other things and series and stuff like that. So you, you understand why these things are here, but if those things weren't there and the narrative could focus on the emotional weight of T'Challa's death on Wakanda, on the characters and everything like that, if it could just focus on that, probably it'd probably be damn near a perfect movie. But unfortunately, it couldn't do that. It had to balance all these other things. And so those things, those things aren't done with with as much success. So I think that hurts it from being like this like great, like S-tier Marvel movie. Um, I don't think it's better than the first Black Panther. I think that the first Black Panther is almost perfect, except for like the CGI at the end of it. That's its only weakness, you know, is the the CGI. However, but I will say there are elements of this that are better than the first Black Panther. The fight scenes in this are better than the first Black Panther. The special effects are better than the first Black Panther. The emotional roller coaster of the characters is better, I think, in this than it is in Black Panther. I think that this one hits a little more emotionally because it's very relatable. And I'll kind of get into how I, why I feel that is um, in relation to the actor 
Chadwick Boseman and his death and then sort of what the characters are going through, it all feels sort of relatable because you feel like they're not only acting, but they're also sort of emoting their grief, having known Chadwick Boseman and everything like that. So I feel like they're also channeling some of that in the acting, and that's very palpable in some of the performances. It's almost like you can feel that grief through the screen, and you can tell it powered some of these performances, especially Angela Bassett and Latita Wright, like and and and, and um, Akuye also. Like I think some of that comes through the screen, and you can feel that. You know, you you can feel kind of the impact of him even in this movie. Uh, but for what they did, I thought that they 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 handled most of this successfully. They they paid a great homage to T'Challa. We understand kind of where Wakanda is and where it's going. So I think all of that was good. Namor, the Submariner man. That was another character that I wondered how they were going to do him. How is he going to um, relate to this? And Killmonger in the first Black Panther is such a great villain. So, and that's going to be a tough act to follow for any Black Panther movie because he just was such an amazing villain. Um, Namor, um, I don't know if I can say he's as as developed and as good overall as um, Killmonger, but he was well done, man. I liked how they did him. I liked um, associating him with the Mayan culture instead of him being from Alexandria, like the comic books and stuff like that. Uh, it was a welcome change. This actor, and since I have the cast up, uh, Tenoch Huerta, man, he did a great job as his character. I like the story of this this villain, if you will, and I don't know. And then, and there are things about him where I may even argue: was he even really a villain in this? Either way, you know, like either way, if you do call him the villain, you understand where the character is coming from, and that's why Killmonger worked so well. Because we understood what his motives were and what he was trying to do. And I feel like overall with this character, that comes across. You understand what his concerns are. You understand what he's trying to do. You understand what his goal is and how it ties into the Wakandans and what they're doing. And especially his sort of connection that he makes with Shiri. And I think all of it ultimately comes together well. All of it, I think all of it comes together quite well, and I was satisfied with him and what they did. And like you said, visually, this is spectacular. Like, I think that's fair to say. And maybe I would argue visually, it's superior to the first film. Like, going to Aquaman's place where he lives and just some of the visual effects that they did with this because of... Um, I said Aquaman, my bad. Because of Namor, sorry. <laughs> I wondered if you were going to catch Momoa. that. Momoa. <laughs> because of Namor and where he comes from and these, these underwater people and what they are and stuff like that, 
it made for some amazing visual effects. Whenever they were on screen, whenever they were fighting, whenever things were happening, there's some really cool visual effects because of what they were and things like that. The the battles for the most part are good. The characters for the most part are well done. Um, There are a few here though, and there are some introductions and things where you just wonder, did it have to be in here? Did we need all of it? Because that all added to this two hour and 40 minute runtime. And I'm like you, Heather, did, did I feel, I've seen the movie twice and never did I feel like it dragged, but there are parts where you go, did this, but there are still parts where I question, did it have to be in here? But for having to add all of those ingredients and elements, those things do, um, they they try their best to integrate those things into the plot. They try their best to make those elements important. And they didn't land with all of them. But for the most part, I don't think they hurt the narrative enough to say that this is bad or that it it lessened the quality, yes, but not but it didn't overshadow really what this movie is about. And that's about these characters dealing with the grief and the loss of Wakanda. There's still like the colonialism message in this and stuff like that and the isolationism messages and how they relate to um, Namor and what he's doing. All of that to me lands and is very good. So uh, overall, I did really enjoy this. And I think I'm kind of with you, Heather, like out of the phase four movies, I mean, Spider-Man is definitely on top. Like, nothing was better than that. You know, I don't think anything... The And Shang-Chi is probably, like, quality-wise, that might rival this. But where this got me emotionally, I might put it over Shang-Chi because it got me to emotional places that Shang-Chi just That's, didn't get me. That was mine, too. So That's my I reason. Think yeah, I think maybe I can justify, even though, yeah, if you break them apart, maybe Shang-Chi was a little better narratively, et cetera, a little more focused narrative, et cetera, et cetera. But man, movies are about what they get you to feel. Movies are about what you feel watching it. And I felt more for this than I have with a lot of the phase four stuff, you know? And maybe that was part for the course. We had a death. We had a person die, blah, blah, blah. But that's, but I can't knock off points for that. That was the undertaking the movie had to take. So it all has to be included in what my film experience was. And this got me to feel more than a lot of those other movies. So I think it it's second for that reason. So yeah, overall, very enjoyable. It does have its flaws but a very good Marvel movie. It was well executed and it was a very fitting end to this phase. You know, it gives me hope that maybe the quality of what's to come can improve and will be better because this was definitely a step up from some of the movies that we got later in phase four. Justin, I think you said it better than even I could. In the end, Marvel is going to Marvel. (laughs) Yep. And unfortunately, 
Marvel just marveled the fuck out of this movie. <laughs> they wait. You you get that beginning, and you get those emotional beats, and you get like that somber yet celebratory tribute. And then Marvel just came up right behind this movie, put its hand on its shoulders and went, remember me? And just marveled the fuck out of the rest of this movie. Just all up in it. I I disagree with both of you. I think the movie is severely too long. And I feel it. Like I felt it. I felt that like two hours into this movie, after they had wasted 45 minutes of screen time with subplots that were not necessary for this movie in any way, shape, or form. They could have been put in another movie or another TV series or anything else. They were not needed for this movie. You could have done similar plot points and gotten uh, other plot points in more efficient manners than they did in this movie. I do agree with you guys that the acting was great. I know there are a lot of people calling for Angela Bassett to win an Academy Award for this movie. I'm I'm sorry she's not going to. I'm not disparaging her the quality of her acting. I'm disparaging the quality of the Academy Awards. You're, she's not going to win it. I mean, let's be real. I'm not saying she shouldn't be nominated. I'm not saying anything. I'm saying the Academy Awards aren't going to do it. It's it's just not the world we live in anymore. I thought Winston Duke was great. I thought pretty much everyone was great, with the exception of Letitia Wright. I think Letitia Wright is not the right actor to, to kind of put a franchise on their shoulders. I don't think she's that quality of an actor. And it was very distracting seeing her in this movie. I mean, this is I, this isn't a spoiler because it's at the very beginning of the movie. At one point, she's grabbing molecules on this Wakandan like hologram thing, trying to to build the heart shaped herb so she can cure T'Challa. Kind of tying into the whole thing of of Chadwick Boseman, and it's very distracting seeing somebody that. Doubts the science and the validity of the vaccine for COVID. Trying to cure a disease in the first 30 seconds of your fucking movie. So much so that she was a big detractor in this movie. So many times this movie's production was delayed and stalled because of A, her getting COVID multiple times and her not getting vaccinated and not being allowed to travel to certain countries to film. And then I see her as the science person in this movie. It's incredibly distracting. I know to a lot of people, they don't care whatever, all this other stuff. I do. It's the same thing of when I saw her in murder, uh, uh, death on the Nile. Very distracting. Less so in that movie because she, uh, she had Arnie Hammer to overshadow her in that movie when it comes to, you know, off-screen problems. But when I have that distraction with Letitia Wright, I've got a performance that I think is the weakest performance of the movie. 
and she's essentially the main character of the movie. It doesn't bode well. And it didn't bode well. And that added to the length of the movie to me. I think that could be why I felt it sooner than you guys. Because I'm not buying the integ- like the integral structure of the movie because of that. So basically more around when Black Panther is more around, I would say probably is when you check uh, out. <laughs> a little bit before then. You know, the more science shit she did, the less I bought it. And then I don't completely love the way they hammered Namor. I, I appreciated what they did changing him up because comics be comicking Aquaman and Namor are very much the same character in a lot of ways. Uh, this is one of the few times that uh, Marvel did not steal from DC. Historically speaking, Marvel has stolen more from DC than vice versa. Uh, Namor the Submariner does predate Aquaman. So, but Aquaman had a movie first. So I get why they got rid of Atlantis. They got rid of him being half human, half Atlantean. I understand all of those. And I'm fine with all of that. I'm I'm totally fine with them giving him uh, a Mesoamerican background, tying it directly to Mayan, Aztec, and uh, Mexican folklore. Even straight down to uh, Telocan. Totally fine with all of that. I get all of that. I'm fine with it. I thought it was super cool. I did not like whenever they went to Telocan, though. To me, Marvel did what they've done before in the past, and they just made the scene very dark. To cover up them not really building an intricate world when it came down to Telocon. Like, the special effects worked on the individual people, and it worked more or less when it came to that, like, a sun thing they have. But with the overall architecture and the culture and all that in the city that they built, it was kind of just nothingness. It was grayed out. It was dark. They got rid of any possible vibrancy that they could have had to show it off, which is something that, DC's Aquaman did way better when they're showing Atlantis and all this other stuff, man, it's bright lights. It's bam. You can see that shit because they wanted to show it off in this. They wanted to hide it. So I didn't appreciate that. Um, everyone's favorite colonizers back in this movie. Everyone's favorite colonizer didn't need to be in this movie. Yeah, at all. Just, Not even a little bit. Unfortunately, that's the way I thought about a lot of things. There's a lot of storylines in this that are in it just to add screen time. And then on top of that, there's a big narrative point that I guess you could say happens two-thirds of the way for the movie that I think is rather insulting to just this franchise, the actors in it, and all the hard work people have done in the past when it comes to Black Panther. It 
And I, I get what you mean about the action set pieces being good and possibly in a way better than the first one. Except there was a really big problem for me in the final fight sequence, and I'll talk about it in spoilers. It, it just didn't sit well with me because it makes the least amount of sense as far as fighting goes in a movie. Ultimately, to me, this movie was just incredibly mid. Outside of some shining moments and outside of what I thought was a great tribute to Chadwick Boseman. The way they handled that I thought was incredibly smart. The way they adapted the movie after that, though, from the original script, because according to Ryan Coogler, Namor was always going to be the villain. So they had to rechange some of that stuff, like how they got there and how they handled it. But I think that that's where I see the biggest flaws in this movie is a lot of that area, probably where they had to do their changes. I think they weren't as smooth. And I think Marvel kind of had its hand in it a little bit too much. Just marveling it up. I I disagree with you guys. I think think Shang-Chi is the best movie of the Phase 4. I think it, of all of these, I think it had the most interesting story. I think it had the most interesting dynamics. I guess it had the most interesting ending, if you will. Although I'm not really a fan of the the dragons in that movie. I don't understand that still. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm being a little bit unfair to, what is it, No Way Home? And that wasn't that it? Yeah, it's No Way Home, right? Was this last one? Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, okay. As much as I have my qualms with that movie, whatever. I mean, it probably does have the best ending. Of of these phase four movies. If I'm being fair, it probably does have the best ending. But I do think Shang-Chi was the, the best movie. I don't completely hate this movie. I don't think it's, it's not Eternals. It's not Thor Love and Thunder. I mean, maybe it's on par or right there just with Doctor Strange. And, and Black Widow. The one everybody forgets about. I think I think that this is in that tier of movies. Which is just, like I said, this mid-tier. Because I think... I think what the first Black Panther did as far as being groundbreaking and unique and developmental to, to what the MCU could mean... I don't really feel like this movie had any of that. Especially when it could have. There were opportunities for this movie to have that. And I I think it just didn't care. I think ultimately, when Chadwick died and they knew they had to change the script as far as a corporate mindset from Marvel was... Just slap some stuff around and get the movie out. It'll make money. And we know it will. I mean, it already has. I think its opening weekend has already beaten all of Black Adam. You know? And I just feel from like, I'm not saying 
creatively the people that wrote this movie or anything like that felt that way. I think Marvel and Disney as a corporation, as far as what they were going to allow to happen and all this other stuff, I think they slapped it together and forced them into making some things and to adding some things that I don't think anybody really wanted. <sighs> and I, I don't, I can't say anymore because spoilers, I just need to get to that section so I can be infinitely more specific than my vague guess has been. Uh, recommendations and scores. Let's go. Yep. Recommendations and scores. Justin, go. Yeah, I recommend it. I think if you're a fan of the first one, um, I think for the most part, you'll like this one. Um, And that seems to be the sentiment of what I'm hearing and seeing online and stuff like that. A, a, A lot of people are talking about, you know, I hear a lot of, I cried at this movie. You know, it got me to that emotional place. I felt for the characters and everything like that. And, um, and I think out of all the other phase four movies, it's, you know, they, they also did some things that they don't, I know we're talking about Marvel marveling, but I also appreciated like the lack of comedy in this. I mean, there were definitely some comedic beats, but it didn't feel like some of the other Marvel movies where it just felt like every other sentence is something comedic or every other, this definitely felt a lot more serious. The issues were a lot more volatile. We were dealing with the cast that was dealing with grief. And for the most part, I think when those characters are talking and dealing and stuff like that, there's a lot of conversations in here. That's really just about that. Like coping with what happened and how it changed Wakanda and stuff like that. So I appreciate the most of the film's focus really being on a lot of that stuff and just how it affected the characters. So it felt like there was definitely an effort to not have as much of that and to concentrate on more of the serious stuff that the characters were going through. So I I think it's good. You know, I think, um, and like we've all said, it was well acted. Um, I know that some of these actors have, different beliefs about things and I get kind of where you're coming from Sterling with the, with the whole thing with uh, Latita and COVID and stuff like that. But I don't know. I just kind of feel like, you know, she hasn't killed anybody. She didn't rape anybody. She's not a racist. She hasn't (laughs) or anything like that. I don't know. I, I, sometimes I feel like, there are things about actors where I can separate the person from the character and how that character was portrayed and the story that was done and everything like that. So me understanding her history with COVID and stuff like that, it didn't affect how I judged or, or looked at how she portrayed this character. I found her believable. I found her to be the crux of this film and And when she gets through the journey and we get to the end of this film, I, she got me to feel, I think, what we wanted, what what they wanted the audience to feel uh, in those moments. So um, 
I'm going to separate it and say she she did a fine job uh, with what she was given. All the actors and actresses did. Um, so, yeah, I think everybody should see it. Um, you know, not only because I think it's a good movie, but also because I want to see more of this stuff. Um, you know, support Black movies, support Black actors and actresses, support black things. You know, I want people to watch this. You know, I've already seen it twice. I got to go again and take my moms and family members and stuff like that. So I'll probably be in the movie again. But yeah, there's no real reason why I could say don't watch this. It's it's solid. It's good. It's got a great tribute. It was a huge undertaking. And to me, they handled most of it well. So with all that being said, we'll go. How many points do I want to take off for the stuff I didn't like? Uh, we'll go. I mean, it's not quite an A, but I, I would say it's close. We'll go 88. How about that? We'll go 88 uh, descends into the depths of the sea on a throne comprised of teeth, (laughs) I think were like uh, vibranium teeth uh, out of a hundred. Heather, what about you? Yeah, definitely. I think it is uh, worth watching. Um, Yes. I mean, and I I just don't imagine if anybody saw and liked the first Black Panther, they're not going to want to see this or like it in some capacity. Maybe not as much as, but uh, definitely I I do. I do think it's worth a watch, uh, even with the flaws that it has. I think um, with the the aspect of Letitia Wright, I think I think what she did well in the movie is the emotional moments. which kind of what you were speaking to, Jason, of because personally how close they were, you know, like her and Chadwick were really close and you could just feel her actual sadness and heaviness and everything in her performance with those really hard moments in the movie. So I think that she did a great job with those. But I also understand what Sterling means about um, other aspects of what she's not she wasn't necessarily the greatest um fit per se for for some of the things that happened in this movie but i think in the emotional scenes and the emotional moments i think she was she nailed those to be honest um i also think that in general the thing like i said before the thing i liked most about this movie is the the way that they handle um chadwick boseman and t'challa's character in this and what plays out with this um and i think just kind of i i do i get what you mean Justin, about like it, it really it hits you in the feels it's a very emotional movie you know and i do think it does that really well it being an emotional movie and emotionally kind of a cathartic movie and like a sense of closure sort of to um somebody who is a, a very special actor but also very special character and a very important character for Marvel in general. I think it was a really great emotional um, closing to and, and honoring of him. And that I think was really 
the best aspect of this. I mean, in being like, I mean, speaking as somebody who like has also recently been going through grief of loss of somebody, you, you kind of really like kind of take a look at it and you appreciate the, I guess just kind of the way that they handle discussing it and like just the, the family and the culture of Wakanda and how they decide to deal with or how, how they just really, they want to do everything they can to honor and remember this person that means so much. Right. And like just the way that they discuss it and the actual emotions and stages of grief that certain people and characters are going through in this movie, I think is done really well. You see different stages, you see anger, you see the sadness, you see the the bargaining at some point. And I think that's really well done, you know, and, and that really is what I enjoyed the most about this movie. And that's not even really necessarily the only thing. It's definitely not the only thing this movie was supposed to be about, but that's the thing that stuck out to me and why I agree with you in edging it over Shang-Chi because I had a more emotional connection to this movie for sure. Um, Again, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not as good as the first Black Panther. Um, I think there are certain performances in this movie that are done better with the characters. Um, But as a whole, I agree it's not better than the first one, but I honestly am trying to think of, like, I don't really know how they could have done the movie in a different way with the task that they had at hand. I mean, I guess there are some things, and I'm sure we'll talk about things that could have been done a better way, but... I think they did the best they could in the moment of what they like rewriting scripts, you know, re having to do all of these things. It was a tough challenge and it was going to be on top of them personally grieving probably while filming this and everything. So I think on that level, um, I, I, I think they did, they did a good job considering what they had, the tasks that they had at hand, but it's, it's not something I'm going to say is like my favorite Marvel movie in any sort of way. But I think as an emotional impact, it's definitely up there on that level as far as the Marvel movies go. But I think that's kind of going to be a given for most people when you talk about the emotional impact of this movie. Um, But yeah, I I just think that aside that from that piece of it, I, I think the movie's worth watching for that, that aspect of it alone. But again, like, yeah, you just if you're this deep in and you've seen all the other Marvel movies, there's no way you're going to want to stop at this one and just say, I'm done watching them now. Sterling might Sterling might've wanted to do that. (laughs) Sterling's been over (laughs) Marvel for like a year, but yeah, I I think in general, I just, it's one of those where you're, this is not going to be the movie that's going to deter you from being like, Oh, I can't watch any more Marvel movies. Like it's not going to be the one that, is your detraction from Marvel. I don't think at least for me, I don't think it would be, but again, that's just my, my perspective. But again, I do see some, a little bit of inconsistencies and things storyline plot wise that probably could have been done better, but all that to say, yeah, I recommend it. I did uh, mostly like it. Um, I'm going to give it, mm, I'm going to give it 80. Um, why is Lupita Nyong'o perfect looking out of a hundred? 
She's just so beautiful. Yeah. It's insane. Man, I can't understand it. Such a beautiful person. Like God. she literally has like, a perfect face and it was so distracting throughout the whole movie. <laughs> she got so more than beautiful. a perfect face. Man. She, she was, she's a perfect she was person. She killing really. in those outfits, man. Every yeah. outfit she had on, whether it was an African outfit, a dress, her uh, stealth suit or whatever. I was like, goodness gracious, man. She was just killing it. Like anytime yeah. she was on screen. So yeah, 80, 80 out of 100 for the movie, but 10 out of 10 for Lupita. So that's what yes. I got for you. <laughs> totally agree. <laughs> so so my understanding is is what you guys were just talking about. Is that going to be the only thing we all unanimously agree on? Probably. In this movie? <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> neither one I know of you you're not going to disagree with that. Neither yeah. one of you told a lie. <laughs> Listen, I, yeah. There's, Good I don't. I don't imagine... <laughs> I, I can't imagine a person looking at her and not being like, how is she like a person? She's, she's like an angel. She's beautiful. Anyway. I do slightly disagree with you guys a little bit on this too. Um, I don't think I can recommend this to everybody. If you are in a dark spot and you're having a hard time with life and you're, you're battling some darkness, you don't go watch this movie. That's actually very fair to say. I it's, Yeah, that's be, fair. And it's because of what you said, Justin. This movie is the most comedy, less Marvel movie out there. And in that regard, if you're, if you're in a dark place, this might not be the best for you. It could be cathartic, like you guys said. There could be some catharsis going through those emotional journeys that some of the characters have in this movie and the way it's presented in this movie. It could do that. It also could just be a miserable time in that regard. So I just say maybe judge your own personal emotional state and see if you're just in a place to watch a movie that is more on the tonally serious and, you know, emotionally like sad spectrum of things that's actually a really good like point you make though sterling just because like i don't know i think it it really does depend on how you handle it and like because i think for me like sometimes those kinds of things are very cathartic to sit and watch someone else who might be dealing with something like that but you're right there's gonna be a lot of people that are like i can't go there i cannot go there mentally right now i don't want to do it so that is a that's a fair point yeah, you might just need a more typical silly comic book fair movie, you know. And in that regard, I would not, like I said, I'd take like a, an internal assessment before you see this movie. Outside of that, I understand my problems with the mid-cinematic universe. Yes, nailed it, MCU. Um, are not the norm. Like you guys said, this movie isn't going to be the movie that breaks like, you know, isn't going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back of whether or not you're going to watch MCU movies. If you've made it through the Eternals and you've made it through Thor Love and Thunder, this isn't going to make your MCU experience worse in any way, shape or form, you know, and I, and I don't mean to like imply that this movie is on that level. It's not. It's a better movie. 
than those. So outside of, like I said, that, that one caveat, sure, I'll still recommend it. Because I'm sure 90% of people out there are not going to have the same problems and everything like that that I do with Marvel movies and more specifically what I had with this movie. I understand I am in the minority of that and I just need to accept it at this point. It's the reality we live in. And there's no point in me trying to do my little smart assness where I'm like, no, don't watch it, blah, blah, blah. No, there's no point in that anymore. I'm, it'd be like me trying to fight somebody like Namor underwater. It's a losing battle at this point. <laughs> nice. I but, like what you did there. Well, I do recommend it. I'll say this. It's an okay movie. I didn't really enjoy it. I really hate it, but I guess there are worse times to be had in a movie theater. I just wish they had cut at least 45 minutes out of this one. It was completely unnecessary. So it would have been, you know, probably a better time at the movie theater. I'll give it a 67. 67. I, d- I like the fact that they... They left Namor with his little wings out of a hundred. Oh, Jesus. Hold on. Apparently while I'm typing or like typing into the calculator to get the Cinescore instead of, you know, oh my God, I keep doing it. I'm talking. So I'm messing myself up because the first time I divided it by a hundred because I said the word a (laughs) hundred while I was typing. And then I just did it by 30, which is still not right. And I did it again because I said 30 while I was typing that part. It's a 78. <laughs> this movie is a 78. Our official Cinescore is a 78. Damn it. And the damn it wasn't that the, the score is a 78. The damn it was I can't fucking work a calculator and talk at the same time. And that's really depressing. Uh, spoilers. Yeah. First and foremost, when it comes to Letitia Wright and this, I know, Justin, that you said technically that she hadn't killed anybody. The reason why I have issues with the things she said and all these other things is because theoretically she could have killed somebody. There are people out there that listen to people like her. And they could have taken her incredibly poor and bad and dangerous advice. And they could have died from COVID or killed somebody by spreading COVID to them. That's why I don't necessarily take that as a less serious thing. I understand that not everybody views it as seriously as I do when it comes to those things. But in that regard, I view it as just as dangerous. And that's why something like that is very important to me. And the thing is with it too, is it's not that she just had these point of views. She was like, that's my own personal thing. You know, it is what it is, blah, blah, blah. She also affected the production of this movie with it. 
several times. Now, one time she did legitimately get injured doing stunts for this movie. That's not her fault that they had to take another break because of that. Not her fault. But the several times they had to stop and pause production and delay production and couldn't go film in areas that they were scheduled to go film in because of her. That is a problem. And it's very hard for me to get invested in her character in this. A, because like I said, I don't really think her acting was that strong with it because I don't think she has the charisma to handle it. And I felt like every time she was on the on, on screen with somebody like a Winston Duke, an Angela Bassett, Lupita, um, oh, what's her name? The general Deny. lady. Yes. Deny. Mm-hmm. Um, even Namor. She got outshined at every single moment. I kind of agree with that. Even when bit. we had Michael B. Jordan, that cameo with him, she got outshined by him. She got outshined by montage footage of Chadwick Boseman in this movie. Because in those scenes that they're showing, and I get that they handpicked those scenes for this purpose, but it showed how magnetic and charismatic he was as an actor and as a character. And in this movie, Shuri and Letitia Wright do not hold up to that at all. And I felt that the entire movie. So much so, though, also, the reason why I also bring up that COVID stuff is there is a high likelihood she is recast because Marvel was tired of her bullshit the entire time making this movie. So I also have a hard time really getting invested in her in this role as this character and in this movie, knowing there's a good chance this is the last time she's in it just because of she was so difficult to work with. That's a real tough pill to swallow. When it comes to Letitia Wright specifically. Um, outside of that, if I want to get into my narrative issues, what the fuck were they doing with this whole, we need to recreate Chadwick Boseman's T'Challa's origin story from both Civil War and the first Black Panther. We need to shove both of the plot points that he went through in both of those movies into Letitia Wright's character in this movie separately from just the fact that T'Challa died. Why did they have to have her parent die to require her to become the Black Panther and have to learn the lesson of somebody killed my parent and I want vengeance from them? But in the end, I'm not going to end up seeking that vengeance. The two storylines we already saw with T'Challa's Black Panther in the two other movies, and they shoved them both into here for her? That is ridiculous. Her motivation can solely just be that Namor was being a dick and flooding Wakanda and the fact that her brother died. They didn't have to add in all that other shit. There is zero reason, narratively speaking, to kill Angela Bassett in this movie. To just mimic their father's death from fucking Civil War. Because she goes down the same fucking plot as the Black Panther already did from that movie. Right down to she has 
the villain that killed her parent dead to rights and does last second mercy instead. They mimicked the storylines they've already told for this again. And it's not like that was a different universe. It's not like, you know, Spider-Man where we've seen Uncle Ben die 90,000 times because they keep rebooting and doing new universes, whatever. This is the same damn universe. And we had to have it again because Marvel's obsessed with any iteration of a character having these mimicking fucking origin stories constantly. And it's a tiresome mess with that shit. Namor, I think, suffers a little bit because of that. The whole end of this movie makes no sense to me. A, why do you go attack an underwater nation? With a boat. When you have shit that can fly, you go after them with a boat. That's stupid. Two, that final battle between Namor and Letitia Wright's Black Panther, Shuri's Black Panther, they crash on a beach after they said the key to beating Namor is to dry him out. And they crash on a beach. It shows the Black Panther unconscious on the beach for at least a little bit. Just a little bit at least. And Namor doesn't walk into the ocean to replenish his powers before going and then fighting her some more after he had been attacked intentionally with the purpose of drying him out before that. And he's like 10 feet away from the water at the beginning of that. He just doesn't walk over to that and quote unquote get a drink of water. He waits till after they fight for a little bit to then make that a priority. That makes no sense to me. I know a lot of people don't care about that. I get that. But that was a very distracting thing to me. That's literally all I could think about that entire fight sequence. Because it was incredibly obvious what they were going to do. Like, especially right down to, you know, like her getting stabbed and supposedly like more or less, you know, beat. And then when the villain goes to do his thing, she overcomes it and stops him. I mean, to me, that was obvious. I'm not saying I knew she was going to get stabbed and all that other stuff, but I'm just saying that type of, of fight sequence It's a very common fight sequence, especially in superhero movies. The, you know, you think the superheroes beat, but they're not, and they overcome the adversity, and they ultimately win. That makes no sense in this instance with how they developed that character, especially with how smart Namor's supposed to be. Namor created a vibranium sun underwater. And this motherfucker doesn't go, Man, I'm a little dry. Let me moisten up before this battle. <laughs> You've got the Midnight Angels, which are from the comics I vaguely know of. That was the worst costume design I think I've ever seen in my life. They <laughs> looked like weird versions of the, the the alien opera singer from the Fifth Element. 
literally what I thought the first time I saw that. But they yeah. had the goggles of the, the the Cenobites from Hellraiser. It was very weird. Very, I did not like that at all. Um, I think the Riri, uh, the Riri storylines, as much as I hate to say this, I don't think they were needed for this movie. I don't think they truly added anything to this movie, especially when she she's already going to get her own Disney Plus series. Like we already know she's getting a Disney Plus series. Why are we introducing her in this movie? They could just introduce her in the TV series, like they've done with She-Hulk, like they did with Miss Marvel, like they've done with other characters on TV. Why did they have to do it like this? Because that whole thing of going to America and doing this and that, like, none of that was really, really necessary. All that shit with Everett, or is it Elliot? Elliot Ross, Everett Ross, I don't know, Martin Freeman's fuck character. I think it's Everett Ross, yeah. Yeah, that fucker. That was 99.9% useless and tiresome. And they're doing that with Julie uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus's character. And they're like, oh, we were married and all this other shit. None of that's necessary to this movie whatsoever. What, they're doing all that shit so they can set up the end of phase five with Thunderbolts? That's all set up for Thunderbolts. That's all set up for a movie that's like three or four years down the line. None of that is necessary in this movie. And to me, those are the things, Justin, like you, you might not agree that this is a part of that. But to me, this is why when you said Marvel be Marvelin, Marvel gonna Marvel. These were the things that Marvel was just gonna Marvel. None of that was necessary to telling this story. None of that was necessary to really add anything to the story. None of that stuff was needed to tell an emotional journey like they wanted to do with this movie. All that shit was your typical, hey, it's a Marvel movie filler bullshit to me. And considering this movie was of a more serious tone, was trying to be more emotional and have those types of journeys within it, the last thing they needed to do was marvel it up. I think it gets in the way of everything. I think it muddles everything down. I think it adds a ton of bloat to this movie that it doesn't need. I think a lot of the humor they did have in this movie lands when it's the characters that needed to be or needed to have like a a light moment. Like uh, M'Baku makes a couple of jokes here and there. When he's like bald-headed demon and the whole, uh, oh, fish man, you know, like, oh, you shouldn't go fight the fish man. And he's like, well, what would you do? And he's like, well, I would go fight the fish man. Those jokes work in better than all the jokes that like Riri had and Everett Ross had. And what what is Julia Louise Drivers' character's name again? I do not remember. Val, I think. Valentina. Yes, Valentina. The jokes they made? Don't land because none of that shit really needed in the movie. You know? And I think the jokes that do work, the few they have, I think the reason why they do work is because those are made by characters that needed to be in the movie that actually have an emotional impact on the movie. 
Yeah. Plus, Winston Duke has charisma for days, though. He's just really, he, he can deliver a line so well like that. He can. And I like the range they gave him in this movie. One of the things I think that this movie did so well is it has an implied M'Baku storyline that ties it back to Black Panther. Yep. If you look at the first Black Panther, him and T'Challa are are adversarial for most of the movie. Even when they align themselves together, there's still some adversarial tension between them. And then you get to this movie, and you can tell just by the way Winston Duke is playing the character and the way that they wrote the dialogue when he's talking about T'Challa, that in between the movies, they had developed a friendship. They had developed a respect. They had developed an understanding and a brotherhood between them without showing it or directly saying that that's what they did. Just implied based on the way they performed the character and the dialogue they gave him. That's true. Yeah, they did really well with that. And that's a great story. And that's great writing. That's great directing. That's great acting. And to have all this other shit shoehorned into it that muddies it up. I think that really detracts from what could have been an actually powerful and impactful and great story that they just had to marvel instead. They couldn't do the things that kind of organically led to, like would have been more pertinent. And that's really unfortunate, I think, in this movie. Last thing I want to talk about. Little Prince T'Challa. I kind of feel like that's a cop out. And it doesn't make any damn sense. I get it. They're like, look, we're not recasting. But we want ultimately, at some point, we want to be able to use the name T'Challa for Black Panther again. So they had him have a secret son that they just didn't want to raise in the kingdom. But that's where I, I don't understand it. None of that makes any sense. Why wouldn't he tell his sister that? Why wouldn't he tell the mom that before all that? Like, the mom ultimately finds out. But the mom didn't know, apparently, before they went to Haiti. So, why wouldn't he tell anybody that? But then also, why wouldn't he want his son raised in Wakanda? I mean, T'Challa lived, breathed, and embodied Wakanda. Why wouldn't he want his son there? Living that, being a part of it, just absorbing all that. They say it's because they didn't want him to have the pressure. What pressure was there really? Like, I understand that, like, yeah, there's the pressures of being a prince, blah, blah, blah. But that's all things T'Challa went through. You know what I mean? Like, and he loved it. Like, he loved being the king. He loved being a part of it all. To just completely have his child removed from the culture? 
I know his mom is Wakandan and, you know, would teach him stuff and all this other stuff, but there's a difference between being taught shit and living it. And so to me, none of that lines up with the characterizations of T'Challa we have gotten in the, TV, in, in the movies. None of that lines up with that mentality. And it's just a, a soft backdoor way of getting to use the name T'Challa in a movie later. Which I get them wanting to do that. I think the way they did it is just a bullshit shoehorned way of doing it. I've got more, but I'll wait. Uh, Justin, what about you? Cool, cool. So, um, really quick about Letitia Wright. Um, I get what you're saying with some of that. I don't know this person personally. I don't know as far as her opinions on COVID and everything like that. I mean, everybody's different, man. I don't know what drives those beliefs. I don't know if it's religious reasonings. I don't know who's in her family circle, medical circle. I don't know her well enough to really understand completely what her logic is about that issue. So I get what you're saying, but to me, there are so many, so I get your anger with her and your resentment towards her and the movie and her being in it, et cetera, et cetera. And I get if Marvel moves from her and stuff like that, but to me, there are just too many answered questions. I would just need to know more. I would just need to know uh, to better understand where she's coming from, why she has those thoughts and everything like that. And that's honestly just how I feel. So I guess that's why it's easier for me to separate that from just looking at the movie, the character and going, how was it portrayed on screen? You know, did I believe that? Did she emote what she needed to emote based on this script? And, you know, uh, you know, that's how I'm going to look at it. You know, until I can understand more about her and why she feels that way, I just can't go to the same emotional place towards her that you can. And I mean, that's just, I think that's just the way it is. So I just wanted to, explain my position on that and how it differs from yours. I understand that your concerns are important, but I just wanted to make clear why I feel differently about it. Um, no, and I, I, I understand that. Cause like I said, I understand most people don't take that to the extreme that I do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. I get that. I just and I don't want to say that to say you're wrong. I just wanted you to understand my position. No, I get that. I just don't want it to come. I didn't want it to come off either. Like I don't give a fuck about it either. So yes, no. Like to me, that's something that I am very passionate about, and like I take incredibly seriously. Like, so you know what I mean. Like, so everybody has like those things that they're more. I I don't want to say more sensitive about, but they're more like focused on more of a sticking point. You know? And then like, so when she stepped mm-hmm. into my arena with that, you know what I mean? 
Like, I understand that's going to bother me more than probably 99.999% of anybody that watches this movie that even knows that it's a thing. Cause a lot of people don't even know that's a thing with her. You know what I mean? I just, you know, like that's whenever you step into that ring with like that aspect of it with me, that is something I'm going to focus on. Yeah. Gotcha. For show. But back to the movie, um, man, that opening when it started and it was just kind of like, the whole franticness of everything happening. And then, you know, this scenario that they came up with where it was sort of this illness that he didn't tell many people about, and he thought he could handle it himself. And then finally, when he couldn't handle it, he asked Shuri, the character for help and all of that kind of stuff. This kind of story that they came up with, I really liked how it matched sort of what Chadwick Boseman was going through with his cancer. I like that because that was sort of his, how he handled it. He didn't want to disclose that to people. He wanted to keep working and keep, uh, and sort of keep that secret from everyone and everything like that. Um, So I really like how they did that. I like how that sort of, in a way, matched up with what T'Challa went through as the Black Panther. And I think because so many of those things matched up, I really do think it helped the actors get to a certain point with their emotions. You know, I I think they could really emote with something a little heavier because because they knew what it was like to feel this, especially if Chadwick didn't, wasn't forward with what was going on with him with them. You know, so the shock of his death that some of these characters went through, I I feel like those actors went through, the director went through, things like that. And then what he meant to them being around him and what he meant as the Black Panther character, all of that to me is sort of palpable in the acting. But so I really found that opening scene was just was just instant heavy, man. You know, I wondered how they were going to start. And I thought that that was just like, man, you just realized like, man, we're really going here now. You know, we're not wasting any time on anything else. We're here. And when they did the whole like silent tribute of the Marvel logo, it was pin drop quiet in my theater. I didn't hear anything from anybody like and It was a full theater. It was totally quiet for that part. And everybody was just sort of sitting there absorbing that and seeing all that, that footage of Chadwick and just dealing with it and everything like that. And I was like, I don't know if any other Marvel movie has ever started like that. You, you know, just with that I particular emotional weight, you know what I mean? Wasn't. Whatever movie came out, the first one that came out after Stan Lee's death. Yeah, they did something like that. I think they did the same thing. And but I they think, didn't yeah. do the silence. That well, part was new. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe I'm trying to remember. I don't even remember what movie it was. I remember they did the Stan Lee Marvel, though. And mm-hmm. I want to say that might have been one, though, where people were cheering because while Stan Lee's death was kind of, you know, surprising a little bit it's not terribly 
surprising, unfortunately, because of his age. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're yeah. not taken aback when somebody who's like late 80s, 90s dies as much as you are somebody in their 30s, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think that would be that. the closest I could think of it with an intro, maybe. Being yeah. as emotionally poignant as this. Yeah. Was it Spider-Man? Was it No Way Home? Was it? No, I don't know. It was either that one or the one before that one. It was around that time. Oh, that would have been Eternals. Yeah. God, that would have sucked. No, I don't <laughs> I don't think it was Eternals then. Maybe it was, I don't know. I really want to say it was No Way Home, but I could be wrong. It could be. It could be. Yeah. You either could way. be right about yeah. that. But yeah, that'd probably be the closest. But like you said, in my theater whatever movie it was, I remember people cheering during that part and clapping and, you know, I heard some Stan Lee, Stan, Stan. You know, I heard some people kind of cheering when that logo came on. But this, though, was like, I mean, that was damn near like a moment of silence for a fallen. It, It was weird. It was like an unspoken moment of silence for Chadwick but to me it's a unique thing because normally when there's a moment of silence you got to tell people it's happening like you got to be like hey can we have a, a you know a moment of silence please for this fallen soldier or this fallen I just found it so incredible in a way that everybody was just quiet and I don't know if tone. y'all yeah yeah had the same experience or not but yeah, that was something that stood out to me and my friend that watched it. Like everybody was just quiet, like for that, for that moment and that part. And, and to me, what that said to me is that it hit the right note. Like it got, they got people to feel something in that moment. So I just wanted to quickly speak on that. Um, the, I also like, um, just to talk about some of the plot points, uh, I also liked how Namer's situation and what he was going through matched up a lot with some of the things that were going on with Wakanda. Like, when we left the last Black Panther movie, what was happening during that movie? T'Challa was trying to open up sort of the borders and the culture to all of the other nations and stuff like that. Um, and basically, you know, he had learned from the spirits with Killmonger and he was like, you know, we got to build bridges and not barriers, this, that, and the other. One of the things I really liked about this was that you could see the difference in how that relationship wasn't going so well after his death. You know, when, um, Angela Bassett, a uh, queen Rwanda, Ramonda, sorry, Ramonda, Ramonda. Yeah was sitting there and they were talking about how they haven't been, how Wakanda has not been sharing the wealth and the culture and they, sorry, um, of course I want to cough when it's my turn. I don't know why that always happens. That's been happening like lately, but, um, you know, they were the, they were talking about how, this this path to diplomacy and opening up the borders hasn't been so smooth. And they were talking about how, you know, when is Wakanda going to do these things that they promise? But I like how at the same time, this French representative is talking about that 
but there are these French soldiers trying to invade Rakonda to get that vibranium. So I said all that to say that I liked how, so all of that is happening, right? All this kind of stuff is sort of happening and they're having these sort of negative interactions with these other countries and everything like that. And these people are trying to like exploit Wakanda. So I liked it because whenever Namor um, reveals himself and is like, hey, and, and his bigger point of these surface people are going to exploit you. They're going to try to exploit you. And I know that this machine that was built to detect vibranium and everything is just the beginning of them going to exploit us. You could see how some of the characters could find that plight relatable because they were going through a similar thing. So I like how those things were sort of matching up. You know, they essentially, Wakanda and Tulakan were almost two sides of the same coin. And I liked that development um, with him. I think it sort of added some layers to the Namor character and made him not seem like a mustache twisting, ha 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 type of villain. You know, he had real concerns. You understood that he cared about his people. He was passionate about that. And I think when I think about the Namor comics, that is in the spirit of the character, that sort of reigns true because that's kind of how Namor is. For the most part, he cares about his society and he cares about his people and that is where he's always going to side. Namor's going to most of the time side with Namor. Sometimes he's going to be an ally. Sometimes he's going to be an asshole. Sometimes he's going to be um, the opposition. But one thing that is consistent is, is that he cares about his people. And it's always, what do I do for my people first before anything else? And I think they really captured the spirit of that with the character. He was all about that, and I kind of appreciated that. Uh, also, the introduction to these people, to the Talakan people, like that initial raid on that boat um, and those people that were uh, using the vibranium detector, man, what an introduction that was with the, the siren singing and people like being sort of mind control, which that was a cool ability, the whole siren thing and people just being made to like walk off the boat. And then like all of a sudden them just jumping out of the sea and throwing spears and all that kind of stuff. I thought they just had a great awesome. introduction. I loved how they looked. I thought that they all looked excellent. I like the tie in to the Mayan um, culture with the costume design and stuff like that. To me, all of that was excellent. And like these water grenades and stuff like that. And this is what I mean by some of the special effects and the fights being superior. They got so creative and so cool with what these people could do, like what these soldiers could do. Not only could they fight you hand to hand, but I loved all the water explosion effects or how you would see like water creep in and you would know that they were there. They did a lot of harbinger type of stuff with them. And like, I thought that all of that was cool when water would suddenly explode and, it, and you, and then you knew 
who was approaching. You knew who was going to be there. You knew who was behind the attack. So I think it really kind of gave our antagonist an identity and it gave, and it, and it was such a contrast from the way the Wakandans fight and everything like that. So they felt like a real challenge to them because this was something that the Wakandans just haven't, hasn't, haven't encountered, you know? So I really appreciated that. Um, I get what you're saying about Ironheart, the Riri character, uh, but I liked her, man. I thought that the actress did okay. Um, I get why. Now, you could argue the necessity of that character being in this. Um, you you could have made, a, a. I guess there could have been, you could have written in another scientist that created this and stuff like that. Um, well, with that, you could have just gone like the phase one or phase two Marvel route. And just mentioned that it was a scientist named Riri, Riri Williams. Yeah. Knowing that she's going to be Ironheart later. I agree with you. I, I'm not against the character. I'm, the one thing that her being in this movie did do is made me excited about the Ironheart TV show. Because I love Marvel TV. So I'm going to love her in that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm stoked for that. I just didn't need her in this movie is my, I guess my point with it. Love the character. I completely agree. Love the character. I just didn't okay. need her in this movie. Cool. Cool. And I guess what, what I was sort of alluding to is, um, you know, my impressions of her, there were times where she would say things and her being like a little younger than them, but having this genius quality and stuff like that. And I know that Ironheart, is not a particularly popular character in the in the books. I know that, and who knows, maybe this will help with the popularity of the character, but I know that that character isn't very popular. So I understand the strategy of going, okay, we've got this Marvel series coming out that is about this Black character. Why not introduce her with, the other black characters that we have developed in the MCU that people care about. You know, we want some of the audience that mainly cares about Black Panther and that we've garnered with Black Panther. I can understand you wanting to introduce a character and saying, hey, you know, Black Panther people, people who are invested in this, come watch the Ironheart. You know, here, this is who it is. This is the character. Don't you kind of like her? Look how she meshes well with these characters you already know. And maybe people will be like, okay, when Ironheart comes out, I'll go check that out too. You know, we're there because we're going to watch all the Marvel stuff. But I understand the strategy of having that character in this specifically, you know, a young, smart, talented black student interacting with Wakanda. Of course she would know about them. And I think for the most part, those interactions worked. I think that her lines that she would deliver sometimes are like when, you know, she saw how strong Shuri was after drinking the black Panther, uh, the heart shaped herb. She was like, man, can I get some of that? Or 
the or the line where she when they were captured and she was like, "Oh, so there's y'all have no Black Panther when I get kidnapped." She had some funny lines. People were laughing at her, man. People were vibing with her. So did she have to have to be in this movie? No, not necessarily. So I get the point with that. But I guess I said all that to say I didn't mind her in the movie. She's not really who I would have cut. I get the strategy. I understand why you introduced her here. And I think that is okay sometimes for Marvel to do. I don't mind kind of getting an introduction to a character a little bit. They didn't oversaturate with her. I don't think she overstayed her welcome with anything. She was just, they introduced her. She was the scientist that did it. She was kind of in there. She had some funny interactions with people. She kind of helped in the final battle, but didn't do anything overly impactful. And that was it. Now we know who she is. Now maybe when we go to Ironheart, we already kind of know her a little bit. Maybe that will drive more people to that. Then rather than just blind out of nowhere, hey, watch this Ironheart shit. So I get the point of that. Where I do really agree with you, though, is the Agent Ross, Valentina stuff. That, that's where I uh, really agree with you. If, if it came down to it and they said, we're either cutting Riri Williams or Everett Ross, I'm with you 100%. You cut every second of the Everett Ross shit and keep all the Riri shit. Of the that could have been that's an the end credit scene. I don't mind you showing her yeah, involved, like, like him being like, you know, maybe Agent Ross sees her. That, that initial scene where she gets out of the car and she's part of the investigation, that was an oh shit moment for me and my friend. I was like, oh shit, Valentina, you know. At first, I was kind of like, uh-oh, okay, you know. You know, uh, Ross works for the, agent, for the agency. She's one of the leaders of the agency. It, it makes sense that their, their paths would cross. So I wasn't mad at that. But I wish you had just seen a little bit of her and then that was it. You know, I don't think you needed really any more with her. And you could have had the, the scenes every now and then with Agent Ross trying to hide stuff from them and trying to help the Wakandans and stuff. And, or maybe you could have wrote another way for him to help out with the plot somehow. I get him needing to be in there because he was in the first one and stuff like that. He's kind of that ally on the other side. So I get why he's important to Black the Black Panther characters and narrative, but maybe they could have just showed her as a quick cameo, like, look, you know, don't forget about her. And at the end of what I would have done is at the very, very end of the movie, at the very, very end of the credits, you find out that Valentina bugged that bracelet and was listening to them the whole time. And it's like, oh, shit, she knows everything. And you cut it there. You are Absolutely right. 100%. That's how you play it. Because then it's the, see, I have this weird love hate relationship with old Marvel movies because I, at times like the, the sake of introducing the character in this to then have the TV series that feels like old Marvel to me. That's unnecessary. But the one great thing that old Marvel did was their in credit tags that tied into other movies that were characters you might not have seen in the movie, all those things that tie into the movie tangentially, 
you know, Everett Ross would tie in tangentially. Then Valentina mm-hmm. is that tie into the future movies. That's one thing that Marvel used to do fantastically. And I 100%, you, you nailed it. You put that scene at the end. You don't see her at all through the movie. And you have that at the end. And he's like, and you can even do the joke of, you know, this is why we didn't, like after she's like, I bugged, I bugged the beads. I did all this shit. And he could be like, this is why our marriage didn't work out. You could still have that little tidbit of information from that. And it just be the joke tag at the end of that scene. To yeah, end the yeah that would have been better. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. 100% right. If you have, just have to have that scene in this movie, that is where you put it. Yeah. That would have been great at the end. Or you make that the mid credit if you wanted Kid T'Challa to be the final yeah. ending thing that you end on. Either way. That's where that shit needed to be. Yes. Because when she said, I bugged the beads and all that stuff, what did that really lead to? Exactly. I don't know. That's why I was so confused. That did or what impact that had or anything like that. So to me, and I guess, and I and I understand, I know what Marva's doing. Yes, we're going to find out. I'm sure there's going to be some interactions with Thunderbolts and stuff like that. Are they going to tell a story with that? Of course they are. But it ate up too much screen time with this. I think those you, you could have just had that as a tidbit at the end. And I would have been all for that. Oh, Valentina was listening the whole time. Damn. The Thunderbolts know about this whole damn thing with Wakanda. That would have been a great surprise thing to end on. Then going into the Thunderbolt stuff, we would have been like, Oh shit. How is it going to tie into Wakanda here? I think it was just done too early, man. And then it, it had, there was no point to that. When she said, I've been listening the whole time. I thought maybe something would come from that. And all that came from it was he was, he was, I guess he was arrested and was about to be jailed, but then was busted out of what, I don't know. It just, I don't really know why they felt like they needed to do. And that's, you know, it's just like we said, sometimes Marvel has to Marvel. And that was Marvel marveling. So, and I didn't quite like it. And, and with <laughs> that, would you would you agree? Like, while those scenes aren't the most egregious things in the world, and like you said, yeah, they're going to tie into shit in the future. It it does fuck with the pacing and some of the emotional weight of the scenes, uh, or not scenes, but the emotional weights of parts of the story. When this shit that ultimately does not matter to this movie directly affects this movie you know like yeah like you said we know it's going to tie into something later it's going to be in the thunderbolts it's probably going to be like oh the thunderbolts are going to invade wakanda because whatever you know whatever shit they're going to end up doing whatever but like does that need to be in the movie where you're also paying tribute to chadwick boseman's death yeah no and and when you consider that two hour and 40 minute runtime that's a thing that you look at and go, okay, where's the fat we can trim from this? And that's that. I kept coming back to that. I kept coming back to that going. I just feel like this could have been trimmed or this could have, you could have, I think less could have been more with that, with the Valentina connection and stuff like that. And since it wasn't like she showed up in the final battle or anything like that. So I just, I would have used, I would have utilized that in a different way. And we've, 
discuss it. I'm glad that y'all kind of agree with that. So I'll get off the back of that. Um, uh, the introduction to whenever Namor took Cheery to Talakai, uh, I guess I get what you're saying, Sterling. Yeah, some of it was dark and stuff like that, but I don't know, man. They got me with that scene, man. I was feeling it. I thought the music was great for it. Um, her kind of, it was almost like, you know, Alice going into this whole new world and Wonderland and stuff like that and this place that didn't exist and it had a sense of wonderment to it and a sense of, and we didn't know everything, so it had a mysteriousness to it too, but it all just, I don't know. I just was feeling it, man. Um, yeah, I, I didn't think immediately about how they introduced it in Alexandria and Aquaman and all that kind of stuff, um, or Atlantis, sorry, Alexandria, Atlantis <laughs> and um, Aquaman and all that stuff, but uh, I don't know. I appreciated the contrast of this. I thought it was beautiful in a way that that wasn't. I don't know. I guess maybe that's what I'm trying to say. I mean, I, I, I really liked it. I liked how it looked. I kind of just, I mean, I guess in my head, I expected the way, what they did for Wakanda in the first Black Panther. Mm. I was expecting like a Mesoamerican, like Aztecian Mayan version of that you know what i yeah, mean just underwater yeah. yeah yeah i was i was expecting that and it felt just kind of muted you know what i mean it didn't feel like as vibrant and like i guess culturally lived in i know it was very much of that style so it did have those cultural elements but it didn't feel like a living, breathing culture to me because of how dim it was. Mm. And maybe if there could have been some more scenes, you know, maybe if we trim some of the fat we're talking about, she could have talked to some of the people, attended some sort of feast or something, or you could have saw more of the architecture and buildings and stuff like that. It was rather quick. You know, you just kind of got a quick look, a quick tour of it and stuff like that. So maybe if we spent more time there, maybe some more of those things would um, come across. Uh, so maybe that's one of the things where maybe if we spend less time over here marveling this and maybe that that is more focused that we could have brought to what was a more important piece of the narrative. But overall, I thought that he, that Namor was handled well. I liked his origin story. I like how they, in a similar way, had their own plant that they found and how it changed them. And I liked him saying, I'm a mutation. You know, I'm a mutant. There's, there's the term again. And him talking about that's why he had the wings and he had some different features and he could do some things that they couldn't do. So I liked his origin story. I liked how some of it was in some of the similar pain about colonialism and all that stuff. It, there was some similarities to Killmonger as well with just what he experienced and what he sort of went through when he went to kind of bury his mom on that land and saw 
what some of his surface people were going through and stuff like that. And that sort of led to this sort of attitude that these surface people can't be trusted. I liked all of that. I thought all of that was done well. I understood his motives, everything like that. So uh, also, Namor was definitely intimidating when he fought. Like that introduction uh, on that boat scene I talked about earlier, when he grabs the back of that chopper and just tosses it, like they really put in perspective how formidable he is or when they were in there with condom planes trying to shoot at him and he's just damn near skating in the air, you know, skating around all of these bullets and stuff like that and flying here and flying there and using his vibranium spirits to cut shit and all that stuff. I thought he was incredible, man. I thought all of those scenes were incredibly well done. He seemed like a serious threat to them. He seemed formidable. And so the final fight at the end, what I appreciated about it was that Shiri had to use her brain to beat him because there was no way in a straight up fight she would have been able to beat him. So I liked it coming back to Shiri using her brain, using her ingenuity, using things like that um, in, in order to win the fight. Uh, I get your point about, you know, could he have just gone over there and dipped in the water and stuff like that? Um, but 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 who knows? Maybe he just thought, let me just kill her real quick. You're in the heat of battle. Um, not everybody, you know, maybe that could have easily been a lapse of judgment. Maybe he was thinking, I'll just end this real quick. Maybe, you know, the, who knows? Maybe because he was being weakened and he was disoriented and his body is drying up and everything like that. I could see that altering your decision-making much like a quarterback being under pressure when the pocket is closing in on him. Maybe him being out of the water that long and exposed to that heat and stuff like that. Perhaps he just wasn't his sharp self in those moments. So some of that, I can kind of understand in the heat of battle, you don't always make every perfect decision. Uh, just ask anybody who's been in a fight. <laughs> so, you know, so some of that I can look the other way and forgive, you know, it's, you know, movies got a movie. I don't think any of that was egregious. I thought their fight was intense. I thought it was uh, well done, but it was not the best fight of the movie. The best fight in this movie was Okoye and that general, whatever he was, guy on that bridge when Riri was knocked out and, um, and you know, Shuri is dead to rights and, and it's just Okoye versus all, all of those uh, Talakan soldiers and stuff. And when the general says, okay, y'all go back to, uh, y'all go back to Talakan and I'll take care of Okuye. Man, the choreography, I loved it. It was so intense. I don't think there was any music during it. It was just the banging and clashing of vibranium and the grunts and the punches back and forth. It was so physical. And when he threw her, when he put his, planted his spear down and sort of whipped or threw Okuye into um, the, the, the vibranium spear and it 
separated her shoulder. She had to pop it back in and try to fight this dude. That was, to me, that was the fight of the movie. I don't think it got any better than that. That was an incredible, incredible fight scene. Probably one of the most memorable fight scenes of this phase. Like, that was incredibly well done. I agree. I have one question about that fight, though, that really bothers me still. What's up? Why were those telecons just able to get up after more or less being killed? Because that was also not brought back at any point in the movie. Yeah, I don't really no, get that true. either. Like, she stabbed them and stuff, but they just got up. I, and I they don't made know a point about to it, do. too. Like, they, they yeah. addressed it. They were like, that should have killed them, you know? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. She even said that that should have killed them, but they got up. I don't know why they got up. I don't know if it's because of maybe the healing nature of water. Maybe they can recover faster because I know that they wear water supplies and tanks and stuff like that. Maybe they could heal themselves quickly because of that. I'm not 100% sure about that. And I know that their biological makeup is not the same as Namor's. So true, and I, I'm not sure, man. And I, they don't really explain that. I could be, I don't know. I just thought about this, but like, does it have anything to do with like them wearing vibranium around them? Like, you know, like as a shield type well, of thing? It would if they hit the vibranium. That's true. Yeah. Like okay. it wouldn't affect it uh, on their skin, you know? Yeah. 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 I was just yeah. trying to think of what why they would because they also made a point of being like you know he's wearing vibranium you know Namor was so I was like maybe maybe it had something to do with that I I honestly don't know otherwise <laughs> like yeah it's a good point though yeah like Namor's yeah. durability is explained in the movie yeah he's, his was explained the, the mutation and that's why he's so much different but like that's the thing is like I guess that's what bothered me about them going and attacking them on a boat. Is like, say you're right, Justin. Say it has to do with water. You're on a boat. Like, you're surrounded by water. How are you planning on beating all these people that theoretically have gotten up from being killed? Theoretically, like you said, let's go with the water explanation. Did it have water on them? Like, in their breathers, because that's how they breathe. How are you, why are you fighting them in, in water? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that is, I guess, what adds insult to injury me, Injury with that last battle to me is I'm like, what are you expecting to accomplish fighting them 100% in their home territory? You know? Yeah, surrounded by water. So I get some of that. The only strategy, battle strategy we were given in the movie is that um, they didn't want them to spring on them in Wakanda. That was the big concern is, are we just going to stay here and wait till they raid us? And then the whole thing was, no, we're going to draw them out. We will get them to come to us. So I think a part of that location was luring them there. They, they use that, you know, um, that vibranium metal detector stuff they 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 got where they they did that to lure them to where they knew they would go to investigate and stuff like that. So 
I think it was a mix of we don't want to fight them in our home territory because too much damage could come to Wakanda. We can't really fight them in Talakan, right? Because Letitia um, um, Shiri had to wear a suit to even go under there. So who knows if Wakanda even had the kind of technology to go to their home base and fight them. So the best option was to lure them to a place that they would come and you take your chance with that scenario. I'm 100%. That's how I interpreted it. Yeah. I'm 100% on board with that. But to me, like if you were smart and it's, this is something that I feel like the Wakandans would have developed already. It's like you have them in the boat and then they all get on the boat and they're like, Oh yeah, we're fighting on the boat. And then the boat becomes a helicraft and just starts, you know what I mean? Like a helicarrier. Hmm. And just yeah, starts, like goes up in the air or something like you that. You lure that them to cool. you and then you give yourself neutral ground. Yeah. That's, that would have been That's what kind I of mean. Cool. Is like, I understand that the, the tactic parts you brought up, but like, it's still just a boat. You know what I mean? Like that's to me, it's like, you're still staying right there. Whereas to me, the Wakandan thing to do, you lure them. And then you bring it neutral, kind of like what they did with Namor. You lure him there and then you put him on the, the aircraft to do those things. You know what I mean? Like, they yeah. did the smart battle decisions at times. But then, like, there's that other half. I'm like, you can't tell me that's not in their capabilities. S.H.I.E.L.D. has that capabilities. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. S.H.I.E.L.D. can do that in this universe for, like, eight years. You're telling me Wakanda can't, you know? Yeah, that's an interesting idea. Like them having the boat and then the boat going up into the air. That would have been cool. But what was cool about the boat is it made for some interesting fight sequences. Like them going down on, you know, the the Jabari warriors letting them down on cables and them fighting on the side of the boat and all of that kind of stuff was fun. You know, I found it fun anyway. And then later on when Shiri shows up as the Black Panther and she's flipping on the side of the boat and grabbing one guy and slamming him into the boat and then jumping and going somewhere else. And I liked how she was a lot more agile than T'Challa. She's a lot more nimble. She's a thinner person. I like the the flips and the her kind of much more like a cat, much more panther-like, you know, in her movements and stuff like that. So I appreciated that as well. But at least that boat scene made for some pretty cool visuals. I thought it was really interesting how they were fighting them on the boat because there was fights on the side of the boat, there was fights on top of the boat, everything like that. Uh, I didn't like the blue costumes either that, Okoye and uh the door the the Dora Milaj. Um that 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 the group I, I don't like that those costumes either. I wasn't a big fan of them. They were exactly what uh <laughs> Okoye said. They were ugly. <laughs> so she was right. <laughs> you know, that joke about her saying they're ugly and I don't really like them. Uh she was on point with that. So maybe they kind of knew. Maybe some of that was done. Maybe that was kind of on purpose. So I don't know if the character in the comic actually thinks that. Who knows? Like, but yeah, that was, uh, I, I wasn't feeling 
those costumes necessarily. But I did like some of the scenes with Okuye. Another great scene was that scene with her and Angela Bassett, where Angela Bassett basically strips her of her title of general. Man, that was heavy. Man, they were going back and forth. Like the acting in that scene was pretty damn strong. And like, I liked all the questions it raised because I think when the elders were raising questions, wait, aren't you being a little hard on her? She's giving herself. I I liked it because I was asking some of those same questions. Like, would you jump to this? Would you do this? But then when Angela Bassett kind of exploded and was like, look, I've lost this person. I've lost that person. I didn't agree with you that, you know, my daughter should come on that trip or whatever, but you convinced me of it. I trusted you. And this is what happened. And that haven't I lost everything kind of speech that she did. Man, Angela Bassett was just so damn good in this. Like, I totally get where y'all are coming from. Like, I totally get the Oscar buzz. And I mean, I get where you're coming from, Sterling. Um, The only hint of optimism I will add for her is that normally... When there's a death, sometimes that allows, sorry guys, sorry for the coughing. Sometimes that allows leeway for some of these decisions. Maybe she will get nominated because of just, wow, sorry. Because of everything tied to the movie and what it was emotionally and sort of that part of it that is uh, about Chadwick Boseman and stuff like that. Maybe they will sort of look at this differently than, oh, just another stupid comic movie for some of those things. That's the chance that I give it. But ultimately, yes, you are right. Sorry, man. Angela Bassett is also a 10 out of 10. I just have to say that. That is a beautiful woman as well. And what is she, like 60? She's like 63. She's 60 plus. That's insane. Wow. But yeah, she really was amazing. And that whole journey with that character, like stepping into the back into the mantle of being the queen and everything like that. So uh, yeah, man, I really appreciated her in this. And I'm sorry, Hannah, I feel like I'm going on. I'll just say a final few things. Um... Now, the stuff with um, Angela Bassett's character dying and stuff like that. And it's interesting that you say you don't think that she should have died at all. You didn't like that they explored the same, a similar plot point with Black Panther and Shiri and everything like that. Um, And I do get some of that. You aren't the only person that I've heard. Um, online express why does she need to die why did we need to sort of revisit some of those plot points for Shiri but I would like to think you know the way I saw it though is that I think some of that was done on purpose and some of that was done by design because whenever she goes to the astral plane and it's Killmonger instead of her mother or T'Challa or anything like that I liked that the character was at a crossroads of what are you going to do? You know, 
this happened to T'Challa, and what did he choose? He chose mercy and diplomacy and stuff like that. Killmonger was saying, I didn't choose that. You know, T'Challa was too weak to choose that. I didn't choose that path. I would have, even though I was stopped by T'Challa, I was going to, you know, play out my vengeance and my anger and everything like that. And I was going to do something about it. I was going to get my revenge on, you know, colonizers and America and people that hold us down and stuff like that. I was going to get revenge. I was going to do that. And right now, that's how you feel. That's what you want. So what are you going to do? Are you going to be this way? Like, are you going to choose that path? Or are you going to choose this path? And I think it was very fitting that the, that the black, that her Black Panther costume was a mix of the gold and the silver because it sort of just kind of lends itself to those feelings and that attitude and that, and that, and that rebelliousness of Killmonger is there, but also the, the, the good nature part, um, the, the, the want to be a, a, a good person, the heroic part of T'Challa is in her too. So, I liked the crossroads that it put the character in. I think it was by design. I don't think it was a lazy rehash so much so that it was, okay, what are you going to do when faced with similar decisions of your brother? You know, how? what are you going to do in those moments and stuff like that? And even though, yeah, I get where she arrived at the end and, on the the you know on the brink of killing the character um Namor and then seeing all that stuff and stuff like that and it's interesting that you said that's what happened whenever he was faced up with Zemo but for some reason I thought about Batman versus Superman because what I saw there was the Martha thing to me that's what it was it was Batman about to kill Superman but then seeing that there's more to this character, understanding the humanity of the character, understanding T'Challa, it was more like, even though you're a monster and you're driven by hatred and you did all this to the Avengers and stuff like that, I'm going to be the bigger man and you're going to go to jail. You're going to pay for your crimes and stuff like that because I don't want to be consumed with vengeance. You know, T'Challa sort of, to me, it, it was like, it, it, it was different in a lot of ways. He wasn't about to kill him or anything like that. It was like T'Challa had sort of made up his mind and it, to me, it just felt different. This was more like Batman v Superman. And I hated it in Batman versus Superman. I understood it in this. And to me, it's a testament of execution. Like, even though it was the same thing, it was executed so much better in this. I got to understand Namor. I understood where he was coming from. I understood why he did what he did. Even Angela Bassett dying, I understood why he did that. One of his people were killed. So he felt the need to retaliate. He felt the need to do that to, to show a point. But the whole time, 
you, he didn't really want to have war either. You got that sense too. You know, he was trying to avoid that, but he felt like he had no choice to do that. You know, they're not coming around. They're not, they're, they're not playing ball. So now they're, if you're not an ally, you're an enemy. And so I kind of get where he was coming from in that moment. So whenever he gets to the end and Shuri decides not to do that, I felt like it was earned, man. It didn't feel lazy to me. I felt like I understood where she was coming from, the anger, the grief, the dealing with T'Challa's death, what she's going to be as Black Panther and how that relates to Namor. I thought it all came across, man. And I bought it. I bought it. Even though, yes, I, I can't argue against there being some similar beats, but I thought it was executed well enough to where I was okay with it at the end. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's, oh, and T'Challa's son. Um, the only thing I'll say about that is, is maybe now some of these people will shut up about recasting T'Challa. Like to me, that's what, that's all I got out of it was that, okay, now maybe y'all can shut up now. Okay. We know that there's going to eventually be a T'Challa and there's going to eventually be a Black Panther. So Maybe now you can shut up. We don't have to be in a big hurry to recast this dude or anything like that. Like, maybe that'll play out. Maybe it won't. But now I don't have to hear anymore about the recasting T'Challa and, oh, find another person, this, then, the other. They left the door open so they can do that at any given point. Maybe he'll be a young Avenger or something like that. Um, and the last thing I'll say, the validity of the secrecy of the child. Uh, I see some scenarios where, yes, maybe he wouldn't do that, but I see some scenarios where maybe he would do that. At the time that he was alive, not only was he going through this illness and everything, but Wakanda was sort of on a new territory of opening itself up to all these borders and stuff like that. So maybe it was a volatile time and he felt like, I don't want to expose my son to all of these changes that we're making in the society. We're doing all these different things. He was blipped and gone for that period of time and came back. So, you know, all of these things sort of happened to T'Challa, you know, in between. And then on top of that, him dealing with this illness and stuff like that. Um, and then also seeing kind of what happened with, you know, the Killmonger situation and what happened to that father and son pair and just how, like, impressionable a father can be on his son and then thinking about his relationship with his father and then finding out about all this horrible shit that his father did while he was Black Panther and how much regret he felt for that. So while you say it doesn't fit the characterizations, if I think about T'Challa's trauma, in some ways I could see him going, well, I don't want to, I don't want to expose my son to all this shit yet. You know, I think there on some level, I can understand hiding your son for a bit, wait until he's older to sort of, and it can understand things more. It can process things more before we, integrate him uh into that world so 
maybe it doesn't all work, but when I think about T'Challa and his journey and the whole father-son relationships and what he dealt with in the first movie, some of that does make a little sense to me. I get that aspect of it, but a dying of a disease is not going to leave the same impression as your father getting murdered. And then on top of that, he understands the importance of that whole father-son relationship, but he has a son halfway across the world. Like that's, that's a little weird to me. That's what I mean by that is like, you can't really have a relationship with your kid when they're in a different country. Like, and I get with Wakandan technology, he can like zip over there fairly quick and stuff. But I'm like, that's, that just seems like a stretch to me with especially how important Wakanda is to the T'Challa character to just go, man, it's kind of volatile right now. You can skip this time with in Wakanda. I mean, I understand maybe there's the whole importance of like, hey, go around the world because Wakanda is going to be a part of the world too. But I just, I don't see the whole point in like completely separating. I know of the six years that the son was around or has been alive, five of that, he was gone from being blipped. I get that aspect of it. But I don't know if you were gone and your kids like now, like six years and you're like, you're all of a sudden back. I mean, you'd think you'd want as much time as possible at that point. You know, you've already lost five years completely, you know? So, I mean, I just, that's what seems a little forced to me. I do get what you're saying though, with the whole, maybe it'll shut people up, but then it's it's also the internet. Nothing shuts. You're right. Nothing shuts them up. They'll, they'll just be mad that he's a kid and not a man. Um, and I know that Nakia, when she was talking to him, and I'm sorry, Heather, this will be the last, I promise you, this is the last thing I'm going to say, and I will let you go. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but I had a lot to say about the movie. But Nakia did say to the boy, so that Shiri could hear it, your dad prepared us for his death, right? And the boy kind of shook his head. You get the feeling that there were some interactions, that there were some talks that he had with his father. The boy knew who he was, you know? He knew his code name, and he knew his actual name, and he knew that he was the son of T'Challa, and he knew all of that. So I didn't get the sense that he was disconnected from his father. It felt like they did have interactions, meaningful ones. The boy confidently said he knew who he was and understood that his father was dead. And it didn't feel like a lot was hidden from him. And maybe to a certain extent, they made him understand why he wasn't in Wakanda. You know, it just felt like the kid knew a lot about what was happening and accepted it and was, you know, uh, and understood who he was and what his birthright is. So I'll at least give it that. Yeah. I mean, then my argument is, is if your kid's that mature, that he's mature enough to like 
grow up in the, like around the pressures of a kingdom. <laughs> be in Wakanda. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, Heather, you've been freed. Sorry. <laughs> I've been freed. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, most of the talking points I was going to have, you guys already touched on a lot. Um, but sorry, no, that's okay. <laughs> we, I mean, it was just, we were going to talk about it one way or another, but I mean, I think the first thing also really quick though, with like, um, so Sterling, I remember that they, that you talked about Namor a while ago and how you can't wait for like to see him as a villain. And I think you said that you wanted a Henry Golding to be Namor. Henry Golding. And I'm going to say that would have been such like looking at how, um, this actor, um, oh, what is his name? Uh, Tenoch Huerta. Seeing how he played this character, Henry Golding would have been amazing at it. But I think this guy was phenomenal. He really did a great job. I haven't seen him in anything else. Yes. Well, with <laughs> with that, um, I just want to say, if you went the traditional Namor route, mm. Henry Golding, I think, yeah. would have fit. Yeah. With the way they went, and I'm not against that. I really, I really kind of dug it. You gave us Namor in Atlantis without giving us Namor in Atlantis. Yeah. And yeah. I like it because they kind of were forced into it because Aquaman came out already. Aquaman came out. You, they are very much the same character in a lot of ways. So to differentiate yourself, you got to do that. And I like how they did it. I like how they went full tilt like Mesoamerican culture and Henry Golding could not have played this name more. He would, he could have been a traditional name more the half Atlantean half human. Yeah. But this name more after fully seeing it, I think I do think Marvel went the better route doing this version of a name more. Yeah, no, but and I, I still agree. would have loved to see Henry Golding in that speedo with wingy D feet. <laughs> no, I and I agree. Like, and my point with it was saying, like, I, I, as much as I was so on board with that casting choice that you had after you said it, I was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like everything that Tanakh Huerta did was so good. Like he was, he really was a good Namor. And, um, I just, I really, I think he really just, he, he, for the characterization they gave him in this movie, I liked it. I mean, I don't know much about the comic version of him, but this movie version of him, I thought was, he was pretty well fleshed out. You know what I mean? Like I, I thought he was good for the most part. Um, in general, like the, the, uh, Telekin people, anytime they had an entrance in this movie, it was fire like it was so good (laughs) like that I was gonna say the same thing like when you first see them like you know when um at the beginning of the movie and uh they just come guns blazing like out of that water and you see that slow-mo like into getting onto the ship and everything like that was so good like I was like oh man this is gonna be really good so I they and were scary, man. You were just like, this is gonna be a good fight, whoever they're up against right now. But yeah, like and yeah, any any time they entered, even with Namor and his first like 
when you see him close up entrance, when he's just kind of hovering out of the water and uh, Ramonda and um, Shuri see him and you're just like, this is so cool. Like every time that they knew how to make an entrance, let's just say that they were so good at that. And I thought it was a really good touch because they set that intimidating tone of who these characters are supposed to be as uh, like an opposition to the Wakandan people, you know? And I thought they did that really well. Um, I also was going to say my favorite fight scene was the Okoye versus them. Like it was so good. But with that, the caveat to that is they did it so early on that I expected like it was only going to get better from there. And it actually was kind of the peak fight for me. So I was like, man, it was unfortunately it did not, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I mean, there were some other good, good fight, you know, scenes and things like that. Like, but that was that was the ultimate best one for me in this movie. I thought that was great. So um, the, that was my only the downfall of that scene was like it was so good of a fight you wanted to see. Like even at the end, like all of the people fighting and like the two of them battling and having that fight. Can you imagine like in that moment with that going on and like cuts back and forth between Black Panther and Namor and then Okoye and um, I'm forgetting his name. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that would have been a really cool way to do that too, I think. Um, so yeah, I, I that was my only stipulation with that. But otherwise that was a great fight. I thought it was what, very well done. Um, and then, yeah, even just the, <laughs> the whole army of the, the people in Wakanda just like coming out from the shadows and you just see them like, infiltrating and whatnot it was so cool like that was really great too i thought that was well done um but and also with with okoye i i really she was one of my favorites in the film because i love what they did with her story they gave her such a good arc and um just uh deny guerrera is such a phenomenal actress anyway like you just she wears her emotions so well and she and that scene with her and Ramonda, like that was top tier scene in the movie for sure. Like it was so powerful and passionate and just so well acted from both of them. Um, I, I loved everything about that scene. It was definitely stand out. But I think, um, yeah, I just I, I like this this arc that they gave her in this. But I what I really liked is. I really liked her and Shuri's dynamic, especially when they go and get Riri. I thought that whole like scene of them doing that, like it was so funny. Like, I think that actually was probably the funniest part of the movie was the two of them trying to be like dressing normal and acting like they're normal to get this college kid. And you're just like, "Mm, that's not really working out. But it was just so it was such a funny like the way they played off of each other was so good. And I, I thought that was a great part of the film as well. Um, they're just, they're just naturally very funny together and you could tell they have a very good chemistry with each other. Um, and I really did like that part of it. Um, I mean, and, and with that being said, like I do, I do like Riri as a character. I thought she was a good character. Yeah. I feel like, um, I had no knowledge of who she even was before this movie, Um, I, I have no preconceived ideas about who she was as a character. You can see that they're definitely going to give her layers. Um, I think really her, the biggest, one of the biggest really catalyst moments of why she was in this film was to kind of be like, you know, I owe the queen everything. And that's why I want to help you guys 
because of what the queen did for me. And I feel like that was kind of really what her biggest moment was supposed to be in this film. Um, and, and that's, they, they did that well, but um, she could have been, I, I don't know. I agree about the whole, either she doesn't need to be in this movie or flesh her out a little bit better. But again, like they had some, like this movie was already long enough that fleshing her out more would have been a difficult task. But yeah, um, it is good that they're going to do a, a series on her because she, she seems like she will be an interesting character um, going forward. Um, Real quick on that, Heather. Mm-hmm. I want to touch on something Justin said that, uh, that ties in with what you're talking about. So Riri in the comics, the reason why Justin says that she's not necessarily a well-liked character in the comics has nothing really to do with the character or anything like that. It has everything to do with a bunch of white people are very mad that a black woman essentially took over the Iron Man spot for a little bit. Mm. Mm-hmm. I can see that being yeah. a thing. I probably should. Thanks for saying that. I probably should have added that. I don't know why I didn't, but thank you for adding yeah. that. So that's why she's disliked by some comic book fans. And it's one of those things when you look at her, it, it makes no sense because, like, she's a child prodigy who built an Iron Man suit in her garage. Like, in the comics, she's younger. She's not even a college student. She's, like, a 14-year-old girl who builds an Iron Man suit in her garage because she's just yeah. that fucking smart. Mm. And, like, Tony more or less hands over the reins to her to be Iron Man so he can, like, just focus on doing other shit. You know, mm. and like, like that's the thing, like she's a great character in the comics. Uh, but yes, that's what he meant when he said that is that, yeah, she's hated for that reason. I do like yeah. how they did the whole um, <laughs> when they introduced her and they're like, is she using an iPhone? Like that was just like the worst technology or something. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Oh, and also a, l- a little I don't know if y'all caught this or not, but. Whenever they first meet her and, um, you know, she was like, I made the machine for a science project because the teacher said I couldn't do it. And I was just trying to prove him wrong or whatever. And when she says that line to be young, talented and black, that was what Chadwick Boseman said in his award speech. That was what he said when he got up there and spoke. He yeah. Had a, he did an acceptance speech and he was talking about to be young, talented, and black. So I thought that was really badass how they just threw that in there. You that know was, what I mean? That's a really I nice thought that touch. was cool. Yeah. And after Sterling saying that, I guess to me now, that makes even more sense why she was in this. Because they're trying to introduce her to the audience that they feel will like her. <laughs> You know, that's fair. maybe that's part of it is that they understand that, okay, she didn't have the best comic run because a bunch of white people were mad and saying, why are we having a black woman Iron Man and all that kind of stuff? So introduce her to the audience that might be a little that will that that might take an interest and an investment to her, you know, introduce her in the film where with the same demographic that would probably better appreciate that character 
and will go to watch her series. You know, obviously they want everybody to watch it, but if you had to introduce her some kind of way, maybe this was the way, you know, maybe this was the way. Maybe they're trying this out because I know when Miss Marvel was coming out, there was a lot of backlash on that before it even came out just because, you know, of who she is and where she's from and people already saying, I ain't watching it because of this and the other. So maybe this is a strategy they are trying. Like, you know. Yeah. That's, yeah, I mean. Maybe. Just throwing that out. Well, the only reason why I'm going to say that's not it is because this movie was already filmed before Miss Marvel came out. They didn't. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Like, she was already cast in filming this movie before they had announced Miss Marvel. Oh, okay. So, you know maybe, I mean? yeah, maybe it no. wouldn't have been a reaction to that. But, but I mean, the other thing, like the comic thing, I totally think maybe some of it is that. That's you know? fair. Like, you show her off to the audience that won't just be mad that she's a black female. Yeah. Tony Stark. That won't just write her off. And exactly. maybe they'll kind of like her, her interactions with these people. And she was kind of, you know, she was like very smart, but at the same time, she was very like youthful and she kind of had a little street in her. And, you know, I don't know. I just think that if you were going to introduce her, this was probably the right movie and the right audience to introduce her in. You know, we would be more accepting of her and more inclined to check that shit out later. And probably anyway. people will, you know, they see her in this movie and they're like, oh, I definitely want to watch the show now. <laughs> Could be a little bit of that, too. Yeah. I don't know. But 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 that Iron Man suit, I'm glad that that suit is staying in Wakanda. Wasn't the biggest fan of her suit. I think yeah. it was too bulky. bulky. Yep. That, that's the word. Okay. You, you've thought I thought that, too. too. Yeah. I'm not, not that it reminded me of something. I don't know. It looked too nineties. Like, yeah, I think that's fair to say it was very bulky and like, I hope we get a much, but this is her Mark one, so to speak. So maybe we'll get a sleeker, better design. You know, Tony had to do the same damn thing. So, but hopefully we'll get a better one than that. I wasn't really a hundred percent feeling her suit. Yeah, I mean, and kind of along the same lines of what we're talking about, like, I also really like in this movie that essentially like Wakanda is being run by women in charge in the highest positions. And I think that's really cool, especially being black women. Like, I think that it's just really cool that that's I, I mean, I don't even know if they wanted to do that on purpose, but the fact that they did and like how. Um, just their their brilliance and their strength and their strategy and um their and Ramonda's queenliness, like everything about them being like in charge of Wakanda was really, really cool, you know. I think it was um and and it just presented this great opportunity for seeing how this should be a more accepted thing, you know what I mean? Like I thought it was a really cool awesome thing that they were able to do with that. Um, and, uh, and kind of like what you spoke to earlier, Jastin, I believe was, um, just kind of how 
how T'Challa died sort of mirrors Chadwick and how it was like an illness, basically saying like an undisclosed illness, you know, he suffered in silence. And I actually really love that they actually said that line in the movie that he was suffering in silence because that was such a whole thing about why it was so shocking when Chadwick passed because nobody knew that this was even something he was going through. So I really, and, and if you think about it, like the character of T'Challa would have actually absolutely been that way. He would have been that guy to like suffer in silence and be like, what, what I'm going through is not important. It's all about Wakanda. So it was very true to the character of T'Challa to do it that way, which I really thought was exquisitely done. Um, and I think it was cool too. like, I, I, I didn't know that Michael B. Jordan was going to be in this movie. Um, I think that was kind of a surprise for people. If Me I'm not too. mistaken. I was shocked. I was shocked. We were like, yeah. there was like a collective gasp in the theater when he was in that scene. <laughs> I was like, who is it going to be? And then um, it was him. And I was like, okay. And I get why too, because also he was super close to Chadwick. So he's probably like, I want to do this like, it just feels right to have him in the movie in some capacity. And I think that was a really good way to do it. I liked his, um, like that whole scene was a really good scene and it, it explained a lot of Shuri's motives going forward and sort of how she's pretending like, you know, she's okay more than she is. And she's actually just very angry and she really just wants revenge and all of these things. And he was the perfect person to kind of point that out to her. So I think that they handled that part of it way better than I, I guess, would have maybe expected them to if I had heard that that was who she was going to see. Um, yeah, I thought that was, that was really, I mean, and Michael B. Jordan was in this movie for two minutes and he killed it. I mean, come on. He, yeah, man. he, he just takes up every bit of screen time and just, yeah. But I, I do get to sort of on that line too, Sterling, you talked about with Shuri and her, how you just don't really feel like she had that um she wasn't the right fit for being black panther um i do slightly agree with that because i do feel like the i the the whole thing of her being outshined by everybody she was with i actually was thinking the same thing too because everybody else just was so on point with their characters and their acting that I mean, it's kind of like, I know we had, we've talked about a few actors like this before. Like, I think one I mentioned was like Renee Zellweger for me. She's a great actress, but I feel like I never, she never stands out to me because everybody that she's always with in movies kind of outshines her all the time. And so I kind of feel like Letitia Wright is sort of, I guess I could see that being the same way. I think she has moments where she is stellar, you know, but I do think as a whole, the performance, like, Okoye, I mean, I don't know what it is about her in this movie, but she just, I think she stole every scene she was in. You know what I mean? And like, I think she gave Shuri a run for her money as far as performance wise and bringing that vulnerability to the character. Um, so yeah, I, don't, I, I just, I think I understand what you mean by that because while I do think that Letitia Wright had some excellent moments of that, uh, bringing those hard, dramatic, serious moments to life in a very, very good and real way. Um, as the Black Panther, I agree. Like, man, Chadwick was charismatic. Man, he was just everything. Like, he was, yeah, he had an energy about him in the role. 
that is kind of it's it's going to be unmatched probably by anybody but i think um that energy she she was good as shuri more than she was good at black panther if that makes sense sort of like how people talk about spider-man and like toby was a good peter parker but the bad spider-man and vice versa for andrew garfield like i feel like it's kind of that sort of same thing where i think she was a great shuri but she was an okay black panther as far as you know i mean you know how she how she played it um but also so unless i missed it like you know how namor gave her that bracelet as like a token of thanks and everything um they i feel like they didn't actually do anything with that and it felt like they were really going to because they did they did they what so the fibers in that bracelet were infused with the same plant or made from the same plant that the uh, telecons had used to become their version of the heart-shaped herb. Mm-hmm. So she was able to use that to kind of reverse engineer what she was missing to recreate the heart-shaped herb. Okay. She did get that. Okay. From, like, so in the scene, you see it. She, they just analyze the bracelet. And okay. then from there, she does the rest of her science shit. I could have missed it with all the sadness going around around that, but <laughs> I yes, yeah, so it was just, right after the queen died. Yeah, yeah. So I think I I must have just missed that part of it because I was like, man, they put a lot of emphasis on that bracelet, but I felt like, well, what happened with the bracelet? Like, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so that that answers that question, which is fine. But um, I also really um, I really liked their their use of sound in this or lack of sound i think both were really well done like they use a lot of silence especially anything with t'challa or chadwick like they have zero sound at all and i think that that is um like you kind of spoke to earlier Justin, about it like it it gives like this air and this feel of just like solemnness and uh surrealness to what's going on and I think it was really well placed in the movie because they do it at the beginning when they do the Marvel intro, but they also do it at the very end when she's having her memories and flashbacks of him. And you see that and like, that was so good. And I just think that, I don't know, silence is such a great, I don't know. And, and the more I'm thinking about it too, it's like the idea of, you know, a moment of silence to honor this man, but also maybe it's supposed to symbolize the whole him suffering in silence thing. I don't know if it's supposed to kind of honor that as well, but in either case, like something about the, just the silence surrounding anything with him was really powerful to do. Um, and really clever, uh, a clever way to do it. Um, so yeah, but I mean, and again, that's why I say I, I love how they handled everything with T'Challa and honoring Chadwick in this movie. Um, but I, I'll to speak a little bit on the Prince T'Challa thing. I kind of do side with uh, Sterling on that because that was actually one of my bigger um, issues. I would say with the movie is I do feel like that was inconsistent with T'Challa because, um, yeah, I just I feel like as much as he loved Wakanda and as much as he loved his family, he would have been like, "Oh, please, like I want to raise you in Wakanda and be this proud." you know, King eventually. And, uh, he was all about Wakanda and also his family. Like, I just don't think that T'Challa would have kept that from 
his his mom and his sister, maybe from everyone else. But I, I feel like the character of T'Challa would have actually he would have said something like as important as family is to him. I just feel like he would have not kept that secret from them uh, because he also probably would have wanted them to have a relationship with with them, with him. So I do feel like that was a little bit inconsistent with that, the character of T'Challa. But um, but I get like, especially after you said, oh, people will stop complaining about like <laughs> the T'Challa recasting. That makes sense. And I, I agree with that. Um, also, my only other <laughs> big thing that threw me off about this in speaking about Shuri as Black Panther, like at what point? Like, did she learn the fighting skills she had? That's <laughs> my question. Like, because she's like the scientist, right? And she's always doing the science stuff and the she's the smarts and the things like that. And like, she just knew how to fight so well. Or, well, well, you know, she knew how to fight. And I just am like, where did that come from? Like, <laughs> it just threw me off because I was like, she doesn't, I mean, even like a montage or something of like, she's learning how to fight or I don't know, or even some kind of like reference to her being like, yeah, me and M'Baku, like we practice fighting together or something would have made a little bit more sense, but it just felt like, um, I mean, if you didn't know that she was already going to be Black Panther, I feel like there would be nothing that kind of really gave you any like faith that she would be a good one necessarily because she didn't even have the fighting skills really as far as we could tell, unless I'm mistaken. But that was my only other thing that threw me off was her just out of nowhere, seemingly having these really good fighting skills. Maybe it was something her and T'Challa did, you know, like off screen, you know, she's, he's teaching her or something like that, but they don't really even mention that. So it just kind of felt like it was um, out of nowhere a little bit for me on that. Um, Which. Well, I would argue that we know that she has battle experience because she did fight against Killmonger in the first Black Panther movie, and she fought in the Infinity War. That's true. She against that. Thanos. You know what I mean? She was out there battling with all of them. So, I mean, I and mean, it's, it's been a while since so I've seen Black Panther, but did they say why? Did they explain her skills in that movie? And I, I it's been a while since I've seen it, so I can't remember. She uses tech more than actual hand-to-hand fighting. And that's my counter-argument to what Justin said, is that they've never shown her being completely proficient in hand-to-hand combat. Like, in the comics, it makes sense when Shuri becomes the Black Panther, when T'Challa's disabled, because... She's been training for it her whole life. Like, she's been training her whole life. You know, while she is also a tech person, there's a ton of comic evidence of her training in, like, hand-to-hand. I think a better thing would have simply been at some, whenever she's going to America with Okoye, just say, like, have Okoye just say a line of, like, just remember your training. If we get into trouble, just remember what, you know, what I've taught you. Just to imply that Okuye has been training her at some point. It's a quick little one-line thing that kind of just implies that there has been fight training. Yeah. 
And of course, like, obviously that's a minor thing, but it just, I, at, at the time I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> but realistically, like, how does she, how does she do this all so well? But yeah, that was, that was just the things I wanted to add to it. But um, again, like, I do think it's definitely better than it's not, <laughs> it's, it's good more than it's bad for sure. Um, but yeah, there were just a couple of things that I was like, Hmm, you know, but again, I think a lot of it can be easily overlooked by most people, um, because of just the emotional, like how successfully they give you the emotions that you need to have considering what's going on here. So yeah, that's all I had. I only have one last thing to bring up. Did anyone else just not dig that Rihanna song that they have in the the end credits? You know, it was not my favorite Rihanna song. I'll give you that. Or, you know, soundtrack song. (laughs) To me, it was the weakest song in this movie. Okay. And that is, you're right. The soundtrack of this movie was great. Great soundtrack. But yeah, you're right. That was the weakest song for sure. I don't know. I didn't feel any kind of way about it. It was, it well, felt see, like it matched the tone of what was happening, you know, with her burning the garments and finally dealing with that pain in a, in a, in the right cathartic way. And it ended and it was kind of somber. It kind of matched the, the mood of the character, but was kind of sad, but, at the same time, a little uplifted. It was slower. Um, I was fine with it. I honestly wish they would have just played like the song that they played in the trailer <laughs> at the end of it because it was so good. Like the trailers for this movie were probably some of my favorite trailers for movies ever. Like the music they did and like the mashing up of the songs that they did in both trailers was so great. I don't know. It just, to me, that song felt very anticlimactic. She did the same thing with Sledgehammer in Star Trek Into Darkness. It's supposed to be like this somber, like reflective song. And it just ends up being, to me, anticlimactic at that point. Like it just doesn't have the gravitas that you would expect from a song in in that scenario. Is it kind of like that Beyonce song in the Lion King movie? A little bit. You're just like, I'm sorry, what? Why is this here right now? Yeah. Anyway, you guys got any more thoughts about this Black Panther? No. Nope. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Facebook, we're Cinema Slayers podcast. Instagram, we're Cinema underscore Slayers. Uh, TikTok, we're... Cinema Slayers Pod. Uh, Cinema Slayers Pod on the YouTubes. Uh, Give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. It really help us out on YouTube. Hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit that little bell notification button. Hit all that shit that every YouTube tells you to do at the end of a video. Uh, Tell your family. Tell your friends. Tell your friends' family. Tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell your dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love... There's so many right answers to this, but I'm inclined to go with Winston Duke. The correct answer was Angela Bassett. Also, yeah, true. 
All right, fine. Angela Bassett mm-hmm. for the win. Uh, shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Cho for our theme song and logos, respectively. And most importantly, just remember here at Cinema Slayers, we are pro slut and pro Sydney. And as I was in these TikToks, these YouTube videos, and this podcast, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. And what was also a cool scene was when she first got the costume and she drops off of that ship down there in front of um, uh, Umbaku and all of them and the whole like uh, they did a arm wrestling so that he could see that she had like superhuman strength and then you know the the whole the Black Panther lives. I thought that that was a pretty cool scene too. Yeah, how she cool. sort of dropped down with the suit and whatnot. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and I and you know I like the fact that wouldn't he, didn't you say Justin where like she had that combination suit where it was like half Killmonger, half Black Panther. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And then there were even some of the dots on it, which is like her battle gear when she fights. You know, she would put that battle makeup on and stuff like that, you know, which is That's why true. I think she she was a warrior too. But um, you know, she it was also a mix of that. It was the it was the silver, it was the the gold, and then her battle warrior markings as well Well, she she fights but she also just wore that ceremonially those dots and stuff that wasn't always necessarily Mm -hmm. just battle like in the first black panther wouldn't it when they're doing the the challenge for the king i think she's got the same the same face paint on yep now do we think that the black panther suit of black panther or civil war is better the Black Panther one's better. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But that's Because it was augmented. It, yeah. it could absorb the kinetic energy. And it's in the main movie, so of course it's supposed to be better. But <laughs> Yeah. I was I was seeing some people make the argument that they like the Civil War one better. So That's just because it's slightly more traditional. Mm. It's just solid black. There's no real accents to it. And it could have been the special effects also with the purple kinetic energy. Some people just didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. As far as the design goes, I liked it. Like we've said before, the CGI gets a little wonky, but. (laughs) Yeah. I still think that the aesthetic design of it's good. Yeah. All right. I'm out.